Hello, and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast, everybody. I'm Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in New Mexico, get together once a month and talk about horror movies and horror things and horror TV and horror in general. Yes, we love horror. Yes, we do. Hello, Mr. Eric Hoff. How are you doing? Good. What about yourself? Well, uh, I think both of us have somewhat of a cold, so hopefully we don't sound awful. Right. Well, more awful than usual. Correct. How was your Christmas, Mr. Eric? How was the postal service for uh, Christmas? Well, the month of December was awful because of how many because of how much mail there was, but the actual holiday itself for me uh, was terrific just spending time uh, with my family. Uh, how was your Christmas? My Christmas was great as well. Yeah, I can imagine that would be horrible. It's funny cuz you work in the postal service. I work at a hotel and you'd think it would be like super packed full of people for the holidays. Wasn't. It really? Was, it was chill. Was that normal or last year was it? No, it's the same thing. Our town, uh, for those of you out there, our town is an oil town. It is, unfortunately. Exactly. So uh, fortunately for my job, it is an oil town. So most of the people leave. Like they don't do oil over Christmas. Right, right. So uh, it wasn't that crazy. Yeah. Uh, Did you watch anything cool over Christmas? I guess we'll talk about those things. Sure. What's tight now is now that Christmas is over, my job is chiller. You know, thank God, you know, it was like fucking just stressful for fucking 24 days. And now it's just like a fucking cakewalk. You know, I went from like a hundred packages a day to like 40. Although I I did. That's the best thing ever. I did see you the other day in your yesterday. uh, That was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Your truck. What do you call that? They call it a life. Long, wait a minute. Long life vehicle. Long life vehicle. And they sure are long life because they never get rid of them. Right. Like they're all of them are just about to hit like 200,000 fucking miles and they just fucking like Frankenstein them together with fucking parts. Well, Eric's Frankenstein mail vehicle yes. uh, was full of packages. Yeah. So the, the route that Keegan lives on, for whatever fucking reason, gets the most goddamn parcels. Uh, <laughs> I had so many yesterday that I couldn't fit them all in the vehicle. Yeah. And so I brought a, back, a bunch back into the office and I told my supervisors, I was like, I guess I'm going to fucking come back for these. I didn't say fucking, but I was like, I guess I'm going to fucking come back for these because they don't fit. Right. You know, I can't explain that because obviously Christmas is over. Yeah. Oh, people uh, have Christmas money. That's why. Right. Gift cards, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe that's it. But yeah, uh, aside from yesterday, work is chill. So Thank happy. God. Yes. My work's pretty chill too. Hello, everybody at work that's listening. Nobody listens from work except Andrew. Hello. Uh, I think that's enough of that. Um, hopefully you horror people enjoy our boring uh, work uh, stories. stories because yeah. uh, normally when I deliver Keegan's mail, I like to write fuck you on it. He really does. and Which I think might be illegal because... I can write on mail. Dog. I write on mail all day. Are you sure that's not like a federal offense? Writing on mail, period, or writing fuck you on it? Well, maybe both. <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. You can write on mail. Trust me. Okay, you can but, write on mail. But And so yesterday... Uh, Keegan came out and talked to me as I was uh, filling up the mailboxes. That's true. And it kind of disappointed me because I didn't get to write fuck you on it. And he was like, well, you could say fuck you to my face. And I was like, yeah, but then there's no surprise whenever you see your mail that 
I was there. But then I'd be smiling at you while you say fuck <laughs> you to my face. And that's not, that's nowhere near as fun. All right, enough about work. Yes, enough about work. Um, so, yes, I had a good Christmas. What? You had a good Christmas. How was your New Year's? My New Year's, uh, you know what? Uh, shout out to Wes, my roommate. We I, went, I saw that pic you posted. Well, we and you look, a, you look so bummed. And you're like, and then you texted me like, I came to the Stevens. The Stevens is a popular bar. It was not the Stevens. It was Cal's Shade Western. Which one is that? Oh, I, I don't fucking know. Oh, next to the, the bowling alley. It's adjoined with the bowling alley here in yeah. Carlson, Mexico. We hope that you enjoy this out there. But yes, I spent my New Year's at this uh, this bar in Carlsbad. And uh, let me just tell you a little bit about it. So we walk in. You looked bummed in that pit. It's full of old people. Like, yes. Literally like 55 plus year olds. They have a cover band playing like Aerosmith and like. Oh, God. I don't even know what else. Uh, probably U2 or Bono. I don't know. And all the old people are literally jamming to it, which I respect that. You know, they're just having a good time. Are they dancing? Uh, some of them were. Okay. Playing like old rock music. And then we walk through it uh, all the way to the back, and there's this other room where a, a jukebox was playing. And it was. The back room is chiller than the front room. Well, let me tell you what the back room was playing. Okay. Uh, they were playing Slipknot. Okay. Maybe not as chill as I remember. <laughs> and Disturbed. Uh, so, you know, it was an interesting time, but, uh, I, you know, it was a place to drink, uh, alcohol and ring in the new year. So that's, that's what I did for new year. What'd you do for new year? I was asleep by 1030. Uh, I'd gone to dinner earlier with my family, but then what was tight was the following day. The first, I was just all fucking well rested and shit. And I just fucking watched movies and took naps. It was the best. Yeah. So both of my recent holidays were a plus. So you missed the ball drop. I didn't give a fuck either. Did you miss your ball drop? Also didn't give a fuck about that either. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so my new year was okay. Uh, we hope everybody out was there. Was it just you and Wes? Just me and Wes, man. It was, oh, it wow. was weird. Uh, not because it was just me and Wes, but like the place was just chill. Who chose the fucking the shade? Okay, there's nowhere else to go in Carlsbad. Okay. So like we, we hit up. I did say the Stevens. We hit up all our friends, which we have zero of. Correct. And no one was either in town or couldn't or wasn't doing anything. You know what? This has gone on too long. I agree. I had an okay New Year's. <laughs> Christmas was fantastic, though. Okay. And uh, I think that's it. We hope everyone out there had a great Christmas and an even better New Year, especially better than mine. Um, so let's address. Yeah, we're some real boring ass fucks, We man. are boring as fuck. I know. I was just thinking that same thing. Yeah. Let's get to something much more exciting. The elephant in the room. Okay, sure. Eric, give us your announcement oh, for the podcast. Yeah. I've got this. Just the biggest announcement ever to make. Yes. Uh, E-Dog. A, a, uh, no, you don't got to give a, a drum roll. Uh, E-Dog has decided, uh, much against Keegan's wishes. To my chagrin. Yeah, that uh, I need a hiatus uh, from the pod. Um, I feel like my heart wasn't in the last several. I almost felt like um, I was forced to do them. Like It felt like this had become a chore uh, to me. And I know, like, woe is me. Like, oh, you got to mm-hmm. fucking watch horror movies and, and then talk about them. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of don't want to fucking do it anymore. And I really like doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I want, I guess, the anxiety that I have from doing the pod to just settle a little bit. Just give me a little break mm-hmm. uh, from doing it. So uh, I decided that, uh, I guess, for the next couple months or so that I'm not going to be here. And uh, I have given Keegan my uh, complete 100% blessing to continue doing the pod. So uh, you guys will hear some other people other than uh, my fucking uh, tiring ass voice on here for a while. Yes. Uh, so when will you be back? That's the most I important don't know. thing. 
You said four months. Keegan's just pissed right now. This look I'm he's giving pissed. me. I'm not pissed. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I said two, and then Keegan was like, okay, two. And then I was like, I don't know. Maybe I want three. And, and Keegan was like, ah. Um, I don't know. I just know that I want a little break. Okay. And I do want to return. I still want to post like what I'm watching on Instagram. I still want to talk with all you guys on Twitter. and Eric wants and his such. cake, and he also wants to eat yeah, it. So that's, you know, that's where I, so we're at. I won't be completely uh, out of the scene. But E-Dog just wants a little break, man. I mean, too much of a good thing can be bad, right? Sure. So uh, the podcast will survive. Uh, Eric will be back. Uh, I promise he'll be back. Um, The most important thing is I'll be here. You'll hear my voice next month for the month of February. And I will be here at least for February. Uh, I already know what it's going to be. And so I wanted to give everyone ahead uh, ahead of time what we were going to do. And then we will get to horror movies, I promise. Yes. Uh, it's going to be uh, my brother. So my brother, Ben Preslak. Uh, he's, Which we always shout out. Yes. So hello, Ben. He will be on the next episode of the Ghoul Squad podcast. Eric won't be here. And uh, me and my brother, Ben, had a podcast that we did for three, almost four years called the Preslak Brothers Filmcast. And so Ben knows podcasts well. Me and him do talk a lot. Yes, he can. Um, me and him podcast well together because we used to have a podcast. Go check it out. Preslak Brothers Filmcast. Uh, you can search iTunes. So that's exciting. It's a, it's a Preslak Brothers podcast uh, reunion. Exactly. In that episode, the topic will be Ben's top five horror because Ben isn't really a horror fan. Right. So you, you're thinking, why are you having him on? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of get into his psyche from a non-horror fan's perspective. What... Why don't you love horror as much as me? Because he's my brother. He's only two years older than me. Right. But my brother, Ben, does not like to be scared. And we're going to get into that. Why don't you like to be scared? Why do you think I like to be scared? And uh, it'll be interesting to see what his list is because he doesn't watch as much horror as we do. So it'll be interesting to see from a non-horror fan's perspective uh, what horror films he thinks are his top five. I remember fucking years ago, I was talking to your mother. Okay, I don't like where this is headed. And your mother told me, that Keegan is my 16-year-old going on 18, and Ben is my 18-year-old going on 16. Well, I'm sure Ben will appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so just, you know, I'm just trying to uh, fill in a little bit about Ben. Yes, so uh, Ben will be here. Uh, shout him out, everybody out there uh, in Ghoul Squad land. He is at Ben Preslak mm-hmm. on Twitter. So it's B-E-N-P-R-Z-E-S-L-A-K. Uh, shout him out. Tell him you're excited that, that he'll be on the podcast. Yeah, Ben was always real supportive of our past endeavors. Yes. So awesome that he will uh, be here. Yes, so that'll be the next episode. And after that, I'm thinking of, I have a bunch of other ideas. But uh, for now, that's the main ideas. February will be Ben. So uh, prepare for that. Having said all that, what is our topic today? We, are we haven't doing, even spoken about we it. We are it? doing our favorite horror films of 2017. And there were just some absolute bangers yes. last year. So there was a, just a great number of films to pick from uh, for this episode. One more thing on that last thing. Sure. Just to reiterate, Eric will be back. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Eric will be back and Ghoul Squad will survive. Having said those things, yes, this what, episode. What if, what, if, uh, what if you come to me and I'm just like, Ghoul Squad must die? I will make you record on your deathbed. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen what happened to ba- whatever happened to Baby Jane? Uh, I don't think so. So... I'm going to do that to you, basically. Okay. I'm going to break your legs. Okay. And put you on a second story. You're going to misery my ass. Yes. Well, sort of, but more like whatever happened to Baby Jane. Having said all that, let's get to the episode for goddamn sakes. Sure. That was a long ass intro. Yes, it was. So always before we get to our topic, we like to talk about what the fuck we've been watching. We do, but I do have a couple 
of uh, housekeeping stuff. Okay, Shout tidy out. up, bitch. We're going to tidy this bitch up quick. Uh, Kevin Barnhart, thank you for buying a shirt. We uh, thanked everyone else who bought shirts, and uh, we hadn't thanked Kevin yet because he bought it after. Always appreciative. So, Kevin Barnhart, Barney, thank you so much for buying a shirt. Uh, also, we got two new uh, iTunes reviews. I'm going to go through these quickly. Shane Saw Masker said he reviewed us, uh, but... The review that came near when he said, which was December 21st, we got a review on December 19th from a M. Pengel, M.P. Engel, Mike E. is how he signed it. So if this is you, Shane, I don't know. I'm we're so- confused. Or is this just another listener? Yeah. And if it is, Thank we're you. very happy to have another listener. So Mike E., uh, I'm going to abbreviate this. He said, Eric and Keegan have a great camaraderie together and are just fun to listen to. I also enjoy the insights they have to offer. Recently, they added a new segment called Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. And, uh, oh, well, I guess we won't have that on the next couple episodes, but uh, I digress. Get into horror punk, Don. Just start talking about the horror scene. Oh, yeah. Ben wants to do a ghost segment. Would you let him do a ghost segment? Of on course. I think because your brother also is really into music. He so, is. So get another music perspective. All right. So back to Mike E. Uh, he says, uh, and seeing how much I know Eric enjoys girls and gore, which I'm not sure is a great pairing. Uh, I thought he should add another part to his new segment. Uh, the best nude slash sex scene from a movie being spoken about on each episode. Which sounds like a terrific idea. <laughs> yes. So, Mike E., uh, I think I'm going to stop his uh, his suggestion. I'll say this. Uh, is to add Eric Coffin's terror tits and tunes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike E. Bravo, Mike E. Thank you so much for your review. We really appreciate it. Like, seriously, thank you for reviewing us. Yes. Uh, we also got Sopapia, which is how I would pronounce it. Sopapia. Sopapia. Said, absolutely love listening to these guys talk about horror movies. I always end up with a list of more movies to check out. So, thank you guys for those reviews. Review us on iTunes. I think that's all of our housekeeping. Sorry for the long yes. intro. Uh, but I'm very excited for this episode of the podcast. And I think now it's time for what we've been watching. All right. And the first one, and I'm gonna let you go first. Okay, great. Uh, so we saw Insidious, which just came out this last weekend. Right. Insidious. Today is the 9th of January. The last key. Uh, this is Insidious 4, uh, directed by Adam Robitel and written by Lee Winnell. Correct. And uh, I'm gonna let you go first because I've spoken a lot. Eric, what did you think of sure. Insidious 4? I'm gonna chalk it up to I liked it, but I didn't give a shit, man. Uh, I've never seen part two. Excuse me. I've seen pieces of part two and I've never seen part three and, you know, it didn't, like, spark my interest in uh, wanting to go back and revisit those films. I liked the first one a bunch. Uh, there was a moment uh, in the fourth one where I was like, damn, this is tight. This is cool. But ultimately, it kind of led to, I don't want to say nothing, but, like, it didn't resonate with me. It didn't It didn't captivate me. You know, it wasn't like, ah. It was, like, almost cool enough for me, but uh, it wasn't. I liked it, but whatever. What, what did you think? Yeah, I, I almost wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. I mean, I have seen uh, all the three other films. So I've seen all four insidious films. Now I love the first one. The second one's like a weird, cool sequel from James Wan. The third one is actually pretty like scary, especially compared to this film. Right. Uh, ultimately kind of pointless as well. That film is uh, chapter three. So here we are with the fourth film and uh, I liked it a lot. Um, but I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, Ultimately, I don't really care about it. Uh, and I feel like we're kind of spoiled by like a lot of really good horror movies. We, we, we just had an amazing year right. of horror. And I, the reason I bring that up is like I was thinking about how uh, this time last year I saw Rings. Oh, and I'm going to talk about that movie later on the podcast as okay. my worst film of the year. Spoilers. Oh, nice. You know, Rings is so bad, but 
here I am, here we are kind of saying, oh, Insidious 4 isn't that great. But by comparison, like this is a much better movie right. than something like that. And that's great that it made money. Yeah, for sure. So, and I'm a huge fan of, of this franchise. And um, so I guess kind of the, what I want to chalk this, my feelings on the film up to was when I saw it with you the first time, which we might want to talk about in Roswell, New Mexico, which is- We had the worst audience in the world. Right, where the aliens are from. We just had like the most horrendous audience of all time. It was all these little teeny bopper kids. We went to the 715 on Thursday night and they were just so goddamn loud. They probably got up a hundred times during the film. And each time they went out of the theater, they were just stomping. And they were doing it on purpose, like right. to be assholes. And, and when the film fucking ended, they like quietly exited the Shuffled theater. Shuffled out. Yeah, I was just like, you fucking goddamn assholes. So that was how we saw it the first time. And right. I kind of left the first time going, wow, that really wasn't that good. And I was kind of, I was almost frustrated because we walked out. We even, we took a picture with the poster because we're losers. Correct. And, and I'm standing out there thinking, man, I, I kind of didn't like it that much. That sucked. Uh, the movie didn't suck. I'm just saying I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Right. And I, then, Sorry, but I almost felt like the setting uh, jaded my experience. Sure. So on that, I went and saw it again in uh, Carlsbad, which is where we live. And uh, I walk in at a Sunday showing. It was Sunday night at 9.45 when no one should be at the theater. Correct. Sunday night, 9.45. It was school is back in session the next day. God, I hope so. Uh, so here I am. It's packed and it's sold out. Insidious last Sunday night and uh, full of a bunch of teeny boppers and kids. And I'm like, Oh shit, here we go again. I should have just went and saw uh, star Wars again. And, uh, and how many times have you seen the last Jedi now? Six, but we'll get to that. Great. Uh, so here I am sitting there and there's all these fucking teeny boppers and I'm like, damn it. And they're being loud. They're throwing shit at each other, yelling. And then, uh, uh, the movie starts and they shut up and it was awesome. And I would like to say that seeing Insidious 4, this is the point of the story, for the second time, uh, up until about like the, the third act, I was like, wow, this is so much better than I thought. Um, I was like kind of amped up on it. I was like, oh, Insidious 4, Insidious Last Key, uh, is pretty good. Like, this is awesome. And then the ending happened. Right. And I was kind of just, and I'm not saying it ruined it, but I kind of went, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, this isn't it. I was... Our, our original thoughts were mostly correct. Right. But I did like it a lot more the second time. But, uh, yeah, it just has weird pacing and weird character. I don't know. So I feel like we, I've talked about it too long. Uh, I like Insidious 4, but, uh, yeah, ultimately uh, it's not that great. So that's frustrating. In a year from now, if I'm sitting here again, probably won't make my favorite uh, you know, list my of 2018. Well, a year from now, you will be sitting here. Uh, but <laughs> I'm trying to create suspense, Keegan. You, you'll be sitting here uh, on Eric Coffin's Terratune spinoff podcast. Yes. So uh, anyways, that was Insidious 4. I think I like, I ultimately seeing it the second time, I think I like it more than you. Yes. But we're both kind of eh on it, which is frustrating because yes. I really wanted to like it. Oh, I did want to say Lynn Shay is the main character of it. And I thought she was fantastic both times I saw it. Uh, her performance is great, and I love that her character is like the main, and they gave her all this like emotional resonance and stuff to do. Um, so I, I love Lin Shay in the film, and uh, Lee Winnell I also really enjoy. That's and, what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Like uh, 
him and whoever his partner is, Tucker and Specs or yeah, whatever. They're great. They're fun. I agree. So uh, that's Insidious 4. Uh, Lin Shea is awesome in it, and that's that. So, Eric, I have nothing else to talk about and what we've been watching. Ooh, E-Dog's got a bit. I've been busy. I, I rewatched all seven Star Wars films before. You know what? That's what I'm going to fucking do. Since I don't have to fucking watch some specific horror genre for the next episode, I'm going to take out all the uh, original Star Wars. I don't think I've ever seen the original trilogy. Wow. Okay. Well, I that's think, bullshit. I think I've seen the prequel trilogy Ooh. a bunch. Okay. And I am pro episode one, so fuck you. Uh, episode one is my favorite prequel, so not fuck me. But okay. having said that, uh, Eric, what have you been watching? I'm about to do Ghoul Squad's first ever and possibly last what I've been reading. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Turning the table, because if you recount back to our very first fucking episode, one thing that we said was, we don't fucking read. No, absolutely not. So I just finished this graphic novel, okay, which is a comic book in collected form called There's Nothing There. Uh, there is a band I like a whole lot called Drug Church, uh, not horror-related. Uh, and anyways, the singer of Drug Church, he also writes horror comics, and uh, his most recent work uh, I recently uh, finished. It's about this girl. Her name is Reno. And uh, if the book explains this, I missed it. She's famous, but I don't know for what reason. You know, the paparazzi are constantly following her around. So at the start of the book, she goes to a eyes wide shut type orgy. Okay. And she participates in said orgy. Are they wearing masks and stuff? They are wearing masks okay, cool. and stuff. Cool. And um, what she doesn't know is it's an occult ritual to rise this demon named Asbill. And Asbill specifically wants to like kill Reno. But you learn that he can't just like go out and kill her. Like it has to be secretive. So he views her as a challenge because she's constantly uh, being followed by the paparazzi. She's constantly on social media. And so whenever she learns that this demon devil thing is after her, she has to like escalate her social media uh, and physical presence. Okay. So this demon can't uh, uh, kill her. And it was fucking a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm super into the idea of horror comic books. But I think horror comic books are certainly at a disadvantage to horror films. You know, there's no music. There's no real jump scares. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but man, I had a riot of a time with there's nothing there. So now I'll jump into what I've been watching. Um, what have you been watching, Mr. Uh, Eric Coffins? Something else I'm equally enthusiastic on is uh it's a shutter original program the core this tell me is, about the core dot the core is fucking amazing it's so much goddamn fun uh this is a talk show hosted by mickey keating uh i hope i'm pronouncing his last name correct where they get people within the genre uh to come and talk uh a recent episode had lee wanell and they discuss like how to do effective uh jump scares and then what's so fucking cool about the core is uh once they're done talking, they then recommend films that you can watch that pertain to the topic they just discussed that are available on Shutter. Oh, that's awesome. It's so fucking cool. It's like co-marketing or whatever. That's cool. And I don't know if I'm tripping. I may be tripping. But tomorrow is the season finale. And I follow a Danzig fan website. On like uh, Facebook and uh, like Instagram, and I think they said Danzig's the fucking uh, 
season finale. Yeah, he's the fucking guest. And if that's true, dude, the core, I'm just fucking more in love with the goddamn core if that's the case. The core is so goddamn fucking cool. I feel like that justifies the five goddamn dollars a month just for that fucking one show right there. And give us your shutter update. Uh, if you listen to our podcast, you know exactly why I'm oh, asking. I'm him. so glad you asked that. Yes. For some fucking reason, I can't watch the core through the Xbox app. And so, fuck, so I'm dude. watching it on my phone, just miserable slash loving it at the same time because the core is just uh, so good. And now I want to check out some of Mickey Keating's uh, films. He has a new film out called Psychopaths that I think may have been 2017, but just barely came to VOD. And huh, okay. I wish I would have caught it in time for this episode. Uh, something else I've been watching is Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, the Amst- Blue Underground. Yeah, this is this was recently released uh, from Blue Underground. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Chainsaw Massacre uh, said he, I think he said he picked it up because uh, you posted it to our Instagram. So shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, hope you dug it. Uh, I fucking did. Uh, this is a 1988 uh, slasher film. Takes place in Amsterdam. There are canals that run the length of the city. Mm-hmm. And there is a killer using scuba gear to traverse these canals looking for his victims. That sounds awesome. Dude, it's fucking incredible. Uh, You know, this is 88. I feel like by that time, the slasher genre was maybe already, you know, we've seen everything cool. Dried dried up. Right. So it was so amazing to see kind of this like new idea. You know, that always excites me, you know, when I see something new in in a field that I think is uh, played out. Um, it was directed by this guy by the name of Dick Moss. Uh, the who, Lift? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he also directed uh, The Lift, which is a haunted elevator film. And Down. Uh, which was a remake right. of Lift in the 90s with Naomi Watts. I want to see that one so bad because I, I love Naomi Watts. Uh, dude, and The Lift is really fucking cool. Um, it's like when I was watching The Lift, it was like, this is the real deal. We we hold the 80s like up as yeah. like a special time mm-hmm. period in this genre. And it was like, this should be a film that should be credited for making the 80s uh, just so wonderful, you know, amongst yeah. all the many other ones that there are. But while watching The Lift, I was like, God damn, this is sick. There's a line in the um, uh, in that Spielberg movie, Ready Player One trailer uh-huh. that I love. He's like, I can't remember exactly, but he's like, I was born in 2031, but I wish I was born in the 1980s like all my heroes. That is tight. Yeah, I love that. Uh yeah, I used to love like asking people older than me, like, did you go to the theater? Yeah. Like in the 80s? Like, did you watch these fucking films? It was that- funny. I asked my I asked my parents that. I'm like, did you guys go to the to Friday films? Like, did you see a Friday right, 13th exactly. film in theater? And they were just like, no, not really. And I was like, what the fuck? But uh, I think my mom told me she saw a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. It oh, might nice. have been four. Nightmare on Elm Street 4 that she was talking about. And she said she was scared or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Um, it's weird. It's like, it's almost like, I don't know. We wish we were there so bad, but then here they are. They grew up there and they were like, yeah, I don't know. It was whatever. Right. Uh, you know, I think it may have also, what are your parents from Carlsbad? No, my, my parents are from Michigan. And then uh, my mom's parents are from Massachusetts. Cause I was going to say that probably would play a big deal. Cause oh, I, no, there probably wasn't a fucking theater. No, my theater. parents grew up in uh, Bay city, Michigan. If you want to know, I take that back. There was a theater here, but that's probably not what they were playing. No, God, no. Right. They were probably playing fucking, well, what am I saying? All 1980s shit's good. Right. Um, so that was Amsterdam. 
that was Amsterdam and the Lift, uh, both directed by uh, Dick Moss. He has a Christmas movie called Sint. I think it's pronounced Sint. Yeah, and no? I've never seen it. I used to always get it mixed up with Rare Exports. And Rare Exports is fucking great. And now I'm not sure if I've seen Saint or not. Hmm. So anyways, though, after seeing Amsterdam, after seeing the Lift, I definitely need to get on Saint. Yeah. I'm trying to think how to ask this. Like, these are legitimately great films, Amsterdam. L- legitimately fucking uh, awesome. Like, tell me about it. Are, is, like, Amsterdam a gory slasher, or is it just inventive? Or it's what not is a it? gory slasher, but it's just really fucking fun. Like, just that idea of how the yeah, no, it sounds uh, fucking the killer awesome. gets her out. And you, initially, they don't know that it's just a human being. Their initial thought is that it may be a monster. Oh, my gosh. That's lurking that's awesome. through. Yeah. And uh, there's this terrific part. Do you see the killer when he kills him? And is he wearing like the scuba suit? Right. And what's awesome is like there's other people who wear scuba gear. Oh, yeah. In yeah. the film. And, you know, like they're wearing like these hoods that like zip up like underneath their chin. But the killer's is more like a ski mask, you know. So his is just like more creepy yeah, uh, to begin that's with. That's fucking tight. And there's this terrific line in the film where they're talking about just like how dirty the canals are. Oh, I bet. So I that, I felt like that added to the grittiness of this killer who's willing to travel through these nasty-ass canals, you know, looking for uh, his next victim. I'm asking for a friend. Uh, does weed make any appearance in Amsterdam? No. No. Uh, I get what you're going at, but no, I don't think that okay. does. And what's cool is the film kind of climaxes early in this incredible boat chase that takes place in the canals and you know there's all these other people like out in the canal just like enjoying their day and there's just this crazy ass fucking boat race between like the lead cop that's chasing them and the killer uh like in these two speed boats it's fucking amazing these big action scenes and like these tiny um genre films always blow my mind have you seen maniac cop 2 uh not it's funny i'm that is hilarious you said that because i was thinking maniac cop uh, the ending of it has like, I mean, I won't spoil like what's happening, but like this, there's this huge chase and then this uh, huge van or something, right? Uh, truck gets like thrown into the water and like, it's all real cause it's not CG. And it's like, how the fuck did they pay for all this? There's a wild ass fucking, uh, action sequence in, in the second one that every time I've seen it, it like kind of blows me away. It's like, holy fuck, this is nuts. I also think of some of the stuff that's in the car. I don't know if you've seen the car. I've never seen the car. There's like a lot of crazy chases and stuff. Anyways, that's enough of that. Uh, so Amsterdam to the lift, you're recommending those. Yeah, super, super into it. I got more. Should I keep going? Yes, let's hear it. Okay. Uh, I wish I had more, but please go ahead. Okay. Uh, I watched a fairly recent Vestron title, Okay. Uh, the Unholy. Ooh. And uh, So I heard Shockwaves talk about the Unholy, and they said it was garbage. You know what? E-Dog dug it. Uh-oh. E-Dog dug it. It's kind of, the idea is certainly right up my uh, alley. It's about a fucking demon who kills priests on the Saturday before Easter Sunday. Well, that sounds amazing. It, it's um, Yeah, it's excellent. Uh, you know, it doesn't make a lot of goddamn sense. You know, the demon initially appears to the priest as, you know, this like very seductive woman. And uh, she's killed two priests now uh, in uh, two years. And they bring in a new priest. And for whatever fucking reason, like he has the power to possibly stop okay okay uh, he's demon. like chosen or some right shit, right yeah. exactly and it culminates into this crazy ass fucking sequence where he's got to battle the demon in its true form and it's this like crazy ass huge monster dog puppet thing with titties i fucking loved it wow okay you love yeah. really yeah it's fucking it was funny because uh you posted that you watched it <laughs> i almost texted you like dude shockwave shit on this movie no so. no I, I it's funny is because shout out to um, shockwaves i got it for as a as a christmas present uh, my brother got it for me but like i picked it uh, out yeah and i listened to that episode of shockwaves first before 
And they said it sucked. And, like, and I'd already gotten it. And I was yeah. like, fuck, you know, I made a bad choice. Uh, but, you know, I was just rolling the dice on a uh, uh, movie pick. I forgot. And I ended up really, really liking it. I forgot to ask, um, what did you get for Christmas? That's a, always a fun thing on oh, these episodes. Uh, I got a couple skateboards because I'm almost 30 years old. And, uh, I still <laughs> and you're breaking want, boards left and right. I still want a skateboard. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm overweight. Um, uh, I got a couple uh, yeah, horror tell, films. Tell us what movies you got, and then I'll tell you what I got. Okay. Uh, in terms of film, I got uh, Amsterdam, uh-huh. uh, The Unholy, and the Poughkeepsie Tapes. When you're about I, to talk about that? Which I will talk about okay. as well. What, what films did you get for uh, Christmas? So I, I got a couple of things. I got Annabelle Creation, uh, the Blu-ray. And I also got Slaughter High, the Vestron video title. Also excellent. And then I got the Chucky collection, the complete Chucky collection. Fire. Very excited to dig into that. And uh, my little sister gave me Shark Night on That's Blu-ray. Uh, so I was excited about that. Anna Paxton? Sarah Paxton. Sarah Paxton. Woo. You're, you're thinking Anna Paquin. Hey, I was close. Both are good. Uh, I think that that's it that I got for movies. And of course I got other stuff and, uh, but yeah, I was most excited about the Chucky collection and yeah, Slaughter awesome. High. Uh, okay. Uh, I recently, uh, rewatched Slaughter High mm-hmm. and man, it's really fucking good. And I feel like it kind of is like elevated amongst other slasher films that didn't receive sequels simply because of how fucking mean spirited yeah, it is. So fucking it's mean fucking yeah. nasty. I love and then, that. And then, you know, Henry, is it Harry or Henry Manfredini? Harry Manfredini. Did, um, Harry man is what I call him. Uh, did the uh, score and it's so Friday the 13th. You know, I think it, it's in slaughter high's favor because it, it's making you think it almost of, feels of an like, also yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, slash. I love yeah, that slaughter movie. high is is nasty fun. Hell yeah! All right, tell us about uh, the, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Holy me, shit! Let me just preface. Holy this. shit! So I wanted to see this film since uh, actually. Let's wind the clocks back. We so, always do. So let's wind the clocks back. Keegan to, and I are time travelers. Uh, a young Keegan Preslak okay. working at the movie theater in Carlsbad. Ooh, in I hated theater, young Keegan in August of two thousand. Present Keegan <laughs> in August of two thousand seven. <laughs> uh, we got a poster for this movie when MGM was still around as MGM. and Really? Uh, a poster? And we put it up, and we had uh, the trailer attached to several of our movies. This was filmed, by the way, Celluloid. And, uh, yeah, I remember being very excited for this film, and uh, that was in 2007. What happened to it? Like, distribution fell through? Yeah, so, like, it was part of the whole, and I, I can never remember exactly what happened, but part of the whole MGM collapse, basically. Like, okay. they're still around, sort of, and they're, like, kind of zombie BS. Like, they're the studio basically collapsed. Right. And now the name still exists, and they still put stuff out, and, they, like, uh, they're even doing the, um, the Death Wish remake. Which uh, looks fucking terrible, but I'm going to yeah. watch it because Eli Roth. Exactly. Um, but point being, uh, we had a poster and trailers for that film that long ago, and that was 2007. I still have not seen it, and you just saw it. Well, it was like unavailable. No, I know. It's that's what I'm saying. Factory that's what I'm saying. finally put it out last yeah. year. And it is 20 set. Dude, that is 10 years. Yeah. Holy wild. shit. So tell me. And these are the dudes that would go on to do like As Above, So Below. Oh, that movie sucks. Yeah. That movie sucks. So the Poughkeepsie tapes. Dude, is, I'm excited. Tell is, me about is it. It's shot like an episode of like the Discovery Channel's like forensic files or like an episode of Dateline. It's supposed to look like a documentary. Right. And it's about this killer who terrorized. It's faux docu style. Correct. Uh, terrorized uh, an area in New York. And whenever the cops think they have found where he lives, all they find is a collection of videotapes of how he would uh, initially started. And then how he would go on to torture and kill 
his victims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it really presses home the idea of like, you know, of course the film itself acts like it's real. Obviously it's not, it's fake. But it really pushes home that idea of like, nah, there are motherfuckers out here doing shit like doing this. Doing shit yeah. like this, yeah. And dude, it's not like jump scare scary. Yeah. But it's just like, it gets under your under skin. Under your skin, scary. Yeah. So I watched uh, New Year's Day alone. What a New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, I watched all three of the films I got for Christmas on, on New Year's Day uh, by myself. And so That's it's like, awesome. So it's like 7, 8 o'clock at night. Uh, I plan to go to my mom's house to see if there's anything to eat. And I was like, do I want to fucking go outside? Like it unnerved me that much that I was going to have to walk outside my house, walk outside my side door where there's no fucking light at all. I'm going to have to get in the car. It's just fucking creepy in general where I live because it's, it's kind of not a shitty neighborhood, but it's kind of like eh, neighborhood. it's a shitty fucking neighborhood across the street is a softball park. And I remember one night I left your, your place after recording the podcast and I swear to God, I saw like somebody standing in the field over there. Don't, don't tell me but that. It was so dark. I couldn't tell. And I just got in don't my car fucking tell me and that. I drove away. It's, it's, so it's not, it's not lit at all. So it's just it's like, so it's just like up. this sea of blackness. Yes. Right across That's what the I'm street saying, yeah. from uh, my house. And a lot of times I'll see cars over there and dude, it's got to be sex or drugs. Oh, like, it what can't else? Be a good thing over there. Are and you it's doing not, it's just so like fucking a, stashed over there's there? There's no like outlet or inlet to it. Like you, you would have to. You have to drive to get you over. You would there. have to go there, right? To go, exactly. Get there, yeah. So, having just seen the Poughkeepsie tapes, I was like, "Do I want to make this journey to my mom's?" And I did, uh, as where I excitedly told her about the Poughkeepsie tapes. Is uh, Mama Easy on board for the Poughkeepsie tapes? I, you know, like we watched like Mindhunter together. You know, she, yeah. she likes the idea of like serial killer stuff. We recently started uh, Hannibal, the TV show. Uh, which, is good, which is great. Uh, we recently made it to the third season. But I would not show my mom uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Is it? Uh, it's rated R, right? Yes. And is it uh, gory at all? It's not. And you know what's funny is going into the Poughkeepsie tapes, I thought I was watching one of the guinea pig Yeah, movies. it was weird. I used I to saw get your, those two fucking things I saw mixed your tweet up. about that. And I'm like, no, like you wouldn't. Let me just tell you this. Uh Shout Factory slash Scream Factory wouldn't put out the guinea pig films. Like, I didn't know that's what the, I, what like, put out. You know, just like how I said I got Rare Exports and fucking Saint mixed up. I've got fucking one of the guinea pig and fucking right, Kipsy tape. Because it's like the same fucking premise, right? Where it's like killers yeah. filming themselves, so it is, yeah. doing like fucked up shit, you know, and... August and, Underground. And that's kind of like morning. what I wanted. Yeah. You know. Maybe on your hiatus, you can get your fucking brain in order. Uh, probably not going to happen. Okay. I'm going to come back and be more fucking crazy. All so right. Anyway, anything else? The Poughkeepsie tapes, creepy as hell. Excellent. So fucking awesome that it's finally available to a mass audience. Next film I watch, and I just wanted to fucking love it, but it's just so meh, is Joe Lynch's Mayhem. Ooh, you're going to trash it on here? I'm not going to trash it. I liked it, but like... Eric you know, and I are huge fans of the movie Crypt. Love, I love Lynch. Yes. I love, we love Adam Green. Of course. Uh, going to be talking about him a little later. Yeah, we'll least, get into that at later. Least, at least I will. And, you know, like, you know, I follow him on Twitter and, you know, like, he's always, like, retweeting people who are like, yeah, man, this is fucking awesome. And, you know, and, like, I want to, like. Me too, yeah. 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 And I just thought it was, it's not a horror film. I can tell you that. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of didn't give a shit about it. Wow. Okay. And that, that really, really uh, disappoints me. Well, what, uh, what concerned me was I remember talking to you about it uh, on our way to Insidious. And I was like, okay, wow, you really didn't like Joe Lynch's Mayhem, like, as much as you thought. And I was like, that sucks. And then I was like. Isn't it, how similar is it to the Belko experiment, which I still have not seen? 
And it was striking to me how much you were like, oh, Belco is like a hundred times better. It is. So I think and that's pretty shocking. I think their similarities end at uh, it's like violence in a corporate uh, environment. Setting. Yeah. yeah. I would almost say Belco is more horror geared uh, than Mayhem. There's uh, there's one particular scene in Belco where I was like, this is fucked up. And I guess that's what I want. You know, Mayhem is supposed to be like goofy, like, ha this chick is going to fight this other chick and, they're, and they've got hammers. And uh, I don't know. It's almost like Mayhem, I wouldn't call it satire, but it's definitely like aimed at being goofy, whereas like Belco right. takes itself a bit more seriously. And that doesn't mean I have to like a film that's going to take itself seriously. Um, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed Belco much more than uh, mayhem. Well, that's super disappointing. Uh, I almost feel like, sorry, Joe Lynch, not that he listens, but I almost feel like I'm going to skip it now after your scathing review. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's so much other stuff I, I can watch. Super, I would super be into like giving it another chance eventually. Sure. But like, you know, and like, you know, I like other Joe Lynch films, you know, like yeah. I, I, like I really like Everly wrong turn Two. It's great. I, I don't know what mayhem just didn't do it for you. Hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm off mayhem. I got two more. Okay, and let me just Do say, I'm sorry up? to everybody that I don't have anything here. Uh, yeah, I could I could uh, tell you all my thoughts on the uh, first seven Star Wars films. Star Wars. No, please, proceed. I'm enjoying this. I hope everyone else does. One of the most badass fucking movies I've seen this year. Can I tell you what it is? You go ahead. Brawl on Cell Block 99? God, it's yeah. so fucking good. It's not horror, but man, I can't not talk about Brawl in Cell Block uh, 99. This is the new film from S. Craig Zeller. I've thought about that with our podcast. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. But because uh, I was, when I was making my list, I, I noticed I didn't include f- certain films we talked about. And one of the films we talked about a lot this year was Kong Skull Island. Right. And like, that's not a horror movie, but so I guess I, you know, yes, we are a horror podcast, but we're pretty much just going to talk anything genre. Right. Uh, I mean, we love all film. Yeah. Well, for sure. But like, horror just happens to be our favorite. And and this is a, obviously Brawl and Cell Block 99. The I, reason I bring it up is it's not exactly horror, but it's genre. Correct. So anyways, tell me about it. But yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it would have been fine if you put Kong me, on your me list. Too, but it, I wouldn't have said anything. I think my point was when I was making it, I didn't even consider it. And right. I'm like, we fucking talked about it on the podcast, but I guess it's a monster also, movie. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's in not this, what we think of when we think. Monster it's the same movie. reason I don't really think Jaws is a horror movie. I guess, right. like, I don't know. It's more of an adventure action film. But please proceed with Brawl on Cell Block Ninety Nine. So, so this is the new film from the dude who uh, did Bone Tomahawk. Yes. And I went into C- Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine with the hopes that it was going to reach the gory violence <laughs> that Bone Tomahawk did. Unfortunately, it does not. But that does not uh, keep it from being just so fucking cool. Uh, Vince Vaughn plays uh, this this serious ass motherfucker who goes to prison. Is that what his title is in the credits? Serious ass motherfucker? Well, I guess I wanted to put emphasis on that because like Vince Vaughn is the comedy guy. Sure. But he wasn't in uh, True Detective Season 2. No, he was not in shitty ass uh, Season 2 of True Detective. Please proceed. Um, he goes to prison and it's like, just like this, like most vile ass fucking prison. Yeah. It like, to me, it looked like it was being portrayed as like some like medieval fucking torture chamber. Uh, there's this fucked up part where he goes into his like first cell. He's in multiple cells throughout the film and the toilet doesn't work. And the guard who's taking him to his cell explains to him, 
but that doesn't stop other people from using it. It's just so fucked up. So while he's in prison, uh, he has to defend his wife and unborn child. And how the fuck does he do that? Well, I'm not going to fucking tell you because you need to watch this goddamn fucking sick ass, <laughs> cool ass motherfucking film. Man. Okay. S. Craig Zeller is two for two with me. Now, there is violence. I feel like he's your new Jeremy Saulnier. He used to be my, my he, you know, I used to talk up Jim Mickle real hard. Yes. Jim Mickle, come back to horror, please. Um, this is where you should drop your other favorite filmmaker. Who is Larry Fessenden. Oh, we all know. I just want you to say the name. Man, the, the, the day the core has Fessenden on as a fucking, uh, uh, yes, uh, ho- uh fucking guest. E dog's gonna be fucking stuck. That's who my next guest after Ben's gonna be on your hiatus. It's I'm gonna Fessenden. get well, finally, then I'll have a reason to listen to this shitty ass podcast. You don't want to be on it with him? Oh, I get the joke now. Okay, uh, anyways, Brawl and Cell Block 99. It's available to stream on Amazon Prime. If I'm you have for Amazon sure Prime, gonna check it out because of you've that. got no reason not to watch it. This is such a cool fucking movie. Actually, speaking of that, then that means that means Mayhem will probably be on Amazon. Yeah, it's, it's the same because uh, it's distribution RLJ code. Entertainment. Yeah. Now let me switch my tone. Switch your tone. I just went from talking about one of the most coolest, most badass motherfucking movies of 2017, and now let me talk to you about one of the worst goddamn fucking movies I've ever seen in my motherfucking life. And I'm talking about the new Day of the Dead. I'm talking about January <laughs> 2018's Day of the Dead Bloodline. This is a fucking shit fest. I can't believe I paid seven fucking dollars to rent it, but I'm a fucking sucker. You're gonna make a zombie movie. You're gonna call it Day of the Dead. Of course, I'm gonna fucking watch it. And God, dude, this is just a big old fucking turd. You know what? It's not a fucking turd. I fucking I've had better shits than this fucking film was. You know, this was a waste of ninety goddamn minutes. Can I tell you about Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Or should I just let you know that it's a big fucking piece of shit? Mm, You can tell us about it. All right, you ready? I don't understand. Okay, let me tell you this before you tell us about it. I don't understand why you watch these movies. So, because I'm a goddamn sucker, dog. I just told you. (laughs) I just told you they're gonna make a zombie movie. Call it Dave the Dead. And you know what's fucking crazy? If you count Day of the Dead 2, because this is the third time this film's been remade. There's an excellent Night of the Living Dead remake. Absolutely. There's an excellent Dawn of the Dead remake. Yes. They just can't get down day. And you know what? It's from the same like producing team that did Leatherface, and I liked Leatherface a lot. And so like I kind of was thinking, uh-oh, maybe they finally got it right this time. Nope, this film fucking sucks. It's so fucking bad, and it's so oddly dubbed. It's like, what the fuck is going on in this film? It's about this fucking medical student. You ready for this shit, Doc? I'm ready. I'm going to take an Instagram shit? story. Please go ahead. It's about, this, it's about this lady. She's a med student. And there's this dude named Max who's just a fucking stalker. And he periodically goes to the hospital where she's studying uh, for school to give blood. And he only wants uh, her to draw his blood. So in the process of trying to draw her blood, he tries to rape her. Okay. And his plan is uh, stopped when a fucking zombie bites him. We flash forward to five fucking years. And like they're living in like a bunker now, you know, with with regular citizens. I don't like your tone. And in the, 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 like the hard ass fucking uh, military that runs them, you know, it's, it's just fucking bullshit. It's so goddamn fucking awful. And <laughs> I love this talking. And, and there's this little girl who's sick in the compound and she's just going to get everybody sick and everybody's going to fucking die. So they have to go back to that hospital where, uh, she used to study school for where she used to study at school for. Mm-hmm. 
because there's antibiotics and other bullshit that we've seen a hundred fucking times in other fucking zombie movies and TV shows. So it's her and the military guys. They go into the hospital and, you know, it's all empty and they've got their fucking flashlights on their fucking guns. And, you know, it's, oh, maybe there's zombies in here. You know, we've seen this. Yeah. In the mean, it sounds like when, literally every movie ever. When, when, yeah, you know, we see this every week on The Walking Dead. It sounds like a bad episode Dead. of The Walking Dead. Yeah. So Max is there. And he's a zombie now. And he still tries to fucking rape her. Even in death, this fucking zombie wants to rape her. Okay. I'm not even at the worst part yet. All right. So all of a sudden there are zombies in the hospital. So they have to get away and they drive back to their base. And Max, who's supposed to be Bub now. uh, Is he actually Bub now or is this a stand in for Bub? This is supposed to be the new Bub. Okay, but he's not Bub. No, his name is Max. Okay. What about Bub in the zombie apocalypse? I don't know if they're ready to hear about Bub in the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) I don't know if they ever will since you're not ever going to be here again. Yeah. Uh, If you guys care enough, hit me up on Twitter and I'll tell you about Bub in the zombie apocalypse. No, I won't. So they drive back to the base, right? Okay. And Max the fucking zombie has been hanging on to the undercarriage of one of their Hummers. All right. No, this is bullshit. Okay. One, One problem I have in in zombie films is when they break Romero mythology. Now, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's okay. You know, like in Shaun of the Dead, whenever, uh, you know, to get past the, the huge crowd of zombies, you know, they pretend to act like one. You know, even Romero started breaking his own mythologies, you know, with survival. And I guess I was okay with it. But it was just so fucking dumb that this fucking zombie is gonna hang onto the bottom of a car. Why? Just because he wants to eventually still try to rape. Oh my god, this dude. girl! This sounds fucking trash. It's so bad. So there's a ventilation system, and he like, oh and, and all of a sudden, the he, classic ventilation. And system. all of a sudden, he can like do parkour, and he like fucking like flips. He doesn't flip. He fucking like crawls up into the ventilation system. So now he's in the compound, and he's looking to find this girl alone so he can rape her. And this is your number ten of top ten of no 20? fuck <laughs> you. This is the worst goddamn movie ever. So. Uh, but they're able to capture them. They, you know, they chain him up much like Bub. And so they run these like tests on him and you learn that he's like dead, but not all dead. Like some of his like, uh, organs are still alive. And because of that, this lady thinks that she can use the antibodies in his blood to make a zombie vaccine. Again, sounds like a bad episode of the walking dead. So, in short, the new Day of the Dead is about a rapist zombie who can save the world. That sounds like something you'd be into, actually. It's so goddamn awful. It is so bad. Fuck the new Day of the Dead. Well, that sounds fucking atrocious. It is the goddamn. And I actually did it in two sittings. Wow. I can't believe you paid. I'm like, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I can't believe you paid $7 for that. Like, you're a dumbass for paying. I'm it's, <laughs> it's so, so bad. All right. So wow. after that, incredible. Is that it for what we've been watching? That is what I've been watching. Wow. Well, and that's it for the podcast, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Good night. <clears throat> Good night. So thank you so much for all those, Eric. You really, uh, you really struck me out of the park there. I didn't have shit. But having said that. Did I go on too long? I felt no, like I was, it was great, just rambling. And if I had to listen to this, I would have turned it off. I mean, they probably did. They're probably not listening now. Right. But, uh, no, that was great, Eric. Thank you so much. Um, so, Ooh. what? 
That was a lot. That was a lot of talking. Okay. And you know what? I feel like I still didn't get my message across about how fucking awful the new Day of the Dead is. So, so um, guess what? If I'm sitting here a year from now and we're talking about the worst horror film that we've seen, you guys already know what mine's going to be. So in order not to have you continue talking, so you can take a second here. Okay. Um, let's do... Uh, so we have Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Which I is, do, and I got a fun one. Which is coming this episode. up. But let's, let's do that right before our topic. That way you can rest because you look flustered oh i'm just so you look rattled right now actually it's that fucking day of the dead remake man they rattled you so uh i thought it would be fun to detail our top three non-horror films of the year oh yeah um so i'll go first uh it would be fun to kind of go back and forth we don't have to spend a lot of time on this um and i just kind of jotted these three down as three of my favorites Uh, i don't know what my this is an official keegan top three of the year um, especially because my number, I think two and three are going to be horror movies of my actual top 10 of the year. Okay. Um, but they're not included. You have a website that you actually post your right. overall top 10. Didn't films get it on, done right? last year. Hopefully I get it done this year. Okay. Uh, we'll Keegsta.com. Yep. Um, you can find me there. So, uh, okay, let's just get to it. My number three, uh, non horror film of the year. Uh, I slotted in Dunkirk, a movie that Ooh, you thought was boring fest. as hell. Yeah. And so you know me, Da. I love Chris Nolan. I love these big spectacle bullshit uh, from from Chris Nolan. Um, I love Dunkirk. So that's my number three. Uh, let's just go to you. What would be your number three? A uh, fucking badass movie I just talked about, Brawl and Cell Block 99. You're not going to include that as a horror movie. I'm not. I'm going non-horror. Cool. Uh, so you talked a lot about it. So my number two is one I feel much stronger about than Dunkirk. And uh, it's Blade Runner 2049. Nice. Still this haven't seen movie any Blade is fucking bonkers. Uh, so I absolutely love that movie. Uh, it comes out, I think, next week. Uh, next week. Yeah. And uh, my Steelbook already shipped, my 4K Steelbook. So I'm nice. excited about that. Nah, that's going to look pretty as fuck it on is. this TV. So I can't wait. Uh, Wes's TV. Shout out to Wes. Um, so yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Just a fucking awesome return. Um, Denny Villeneuve directed it. Uh, you know, I love... Denny? Denny. It's not Dennis? It's not Dennis. I didn't know. Okay. It is Denny Villeneuve. I feel like he's like this like auteur of a film director. Denny sounds funny to me. It's Denny. <laughs> um, it's just a fucking bonkers movie uh, from beginning to end. Visuals, story, just insane. So I love. I want to watch it. 2049. Um, I don't know if you'll like it. I assume you would. So what is Eric's number two? Uh, I had a fucking blast with this movie, uh, James Franco's The Disaster Artist. Oh, okay, sure. I just can't wait to show that film to people. It's just such a treat. So I want to see it really bad. It's I just so I much fun. It it's so good. Uh, Eric went all the way to El Paso to see it, so I haven't been able to do that yet. Uh, that's awesome. And my number one. Lay it on me, please. Pretty simple. It is uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, my number one non-horror film of the year. And uh, yeah. I mean, I know this is a horror podcast, but yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've seen it six times now, and uh, I'm not going to respond to all the criticism uh, about the movie, but I love The Last Jedi. If I was, and, yeah. if I was doing a top 10 non-horror, The Last Jedi would definitely make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's obviously my number one. Uh, I love everything about it, and uh, I don't give a shit that people don't I thought like it. Was, it. I thought it was excellent. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, me too. So what would Eric's number one be if it wasn't horror? Uh, my number one non-horror... Film of the year goes to Hugh Jackman's Logan. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Greatest Showman. Uh, that's actually what I meant to say. <laughs> but, but Logan came out and said, no. You know what's funny? I almost put Logan as my number three, but uh, I like Dunkirk more. 
Uh, Logan's fucking great. Dude. Logan is just so fucking goddamn badass. Such a beautiful farewell uh, to that character. Yeah, I don't give a shit about uh, like superheroes or superhero movies. I do like the films when they're good, and this one's fucking good. So uh, you know what's funny is like I'm like super into superhero films, but I rarely watch them more than one time. Yeah, I watch them at the theater, and it's like, oh, that was fucking amazing. Never gonna watch it again. Uh, Logan is definitely an exception to that case. You have the steelbook for that. I do. I got that pretty ass fucking Best Buy. I want that, but um, I don't have it. Uh, steelbook. What's amazing about it is the artwork uh, on that steelbook. It's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yes. And it was drawn by the dude who did the Old Man Logan stories. Yeah. Yeah. So it's incredible. All right. So yeah, that's our top three non-horror. Just thought it'd be fun to throw in here. Yeah. I had done. Let us know what Blade your Runner, favorite last Jedi. non-horror films of the year were. Yeah. So let uh, us know that you like other genres of film. Do you like drama? Do you like romance? Do you like action? I would love to talk. On that note, let's have <laughs> you do your uh, horror Coffins. punk fucking segment. Yes. Uh, I got a good one for you Eric guys. Coffins, Terror Tunes. Eric Coffins, Terror Tunes. You know who's going to sing that with me? Nobody. Ben. Ben's going to fucking sing it what, next episode. As long as it's not called Ben's Terror Tunes, I don't give a fuck ben what you guys Coffins, do. Terror Tunes. No, no fuck better Eric. not be. Fucking, I'll be fucking fuck furious. You. All right, Eric. If it Take has, it away. If it has coffins and terror tunes in it. <laughs> Is it trademarked? Yes, 100%. Yes, and you know what? I didn't even come up with that. It was Josh Goes to Hell, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he owns the uh, trademark. Yes. So let's hear Eric Coffin's terror yes. tunes. So since we're doing our favorite films of 2017, I thought I would do my top five favorite horror punk albums of 2017. Coming in Ten? at- did I say 10? <laughs> Holy shit. Did I say 10? I meant five. Okay. I only got five. I'm pretty sure you said 10. We'll have to play the uh, You know what's funny back. is like I even thought, oh, I'm going to do honorable mentions too. But nah, I fuck just, no, I you're just, lazy as fuck. Go I ahead. decided, fuck you. I decided I'll just keep it short, simple, good, fun with uh, five. Coming in at number five. Of Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes. Of my favorite 2017 horror punk albums is Brand New Disease by Savage Remains. My favorite jam off of that album would be The Crusher. Coming in at number four, my favorite album is Under the Mask by Energy. My favorite track off of that album was I Killed Your Boyfriend. Number three, Darken Your Doorstep by Argyle Goolsby. Uh, favorite track off of that album is Ghost Light Waltz. Watch them back in November, and they did not play that song. Coming in at number two of my favorite horror punk albums of 2017, As We Die by Doyle. My favorite track being We Belong Dead. And my number one, I already knew this was going to be my number one even before I fucking listened to this album, was is uh, Casket Case by The Other. My favorite track being She's a Ghost. So my favorite horror track of 2017 is She's a Ghost by Germany's Mighty The Other. The fair in moonlight Like an angel straight in sight She's not your usual fright You're seduced in no time Reaching out to her Devil took her 
So yeah, they're, those are my favorite horror punk. That's crazy that there's that I was able to make that list. Yeah, I was thinking. That's why when you said ten, I'm like, you listen to ten plus fucking horror punk. And, well, I told you I was going to even do honorable mentions, but horror crunk. Horror. I don't know if they're even ready for that either. Dad. Okay. So yeah, those are my favorite five horror punk albums of 2017. And with that being said, it is now time, finally, Ooh. for God's sakes, to get to our goddamn topic. Play the goddamn Grindhouse music. Do it. And we're back. Don't you just love that goddamn Grindhouse music. Yes. So, uh, it's now time for our top 10 of 2017. But before uh, we get to that, what? We're going to discuss other shit. Oh, sure. Uh, what did you think of the year in general uh, for 2017? Terrific year of horror. Of horror, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like looking at like my, my list, my top five specifically, like holy shit. Yeah, these are great movies. Yeah, I t- I agree, and I I feel like I feel like I almost saw more horror movies last year, but there was only about five that I thought were great, and I feel like every movie on my top ten this year is great. Right. So like I felt like there was more great films this year. There you go. Um, and there's still so much that we haven't seen. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, Tragedy Girls. Yep, I never fucking watched. Um. I don't know if it's horror, but I still haven't fucking seen Shape of Water, and it's just killing me inside. Yeah, same here. And uh, I want to see uh, other stuff that's genre, like uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Correct. I want to see. Um, other shit like that. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just feel like it's been a really good year, um, especially for studio stuff. Like I feel like especially oh, yeah. a, a couple of particular studio horror stuff made are incredible. some money this year. Yes, it did. So that's Horror awesome. was king this year. That was the weird part. That's the weird part about like, uh, people saying that the the movie industry is dying is uh, it's basically big temples and horror. Right. Like, that's it. You either spend $200 million and make a huge fucking movie or you spend a million and try to make $100 million, you know? Right. And that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, that's exciting as a horror fan, but still pretty shitty that, like, uh, cinema, at least, is kind of dying. Right. And then when we do get a big... Uh horror film that makes a lot of money and it is well regarded. It's not horror. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it kind of sucks that other cinema is dying because of it, but as a horror fan, certainly exciting. Sure. Um, yeah. So I thought 2017 was a good year and a great year for, uh, Blu-rays. Oh yeah. Like a fucking great year of Blu-rays. Um, so I wanted to just do some quick topics, quick fire stuff. Like before we get to it, quick fire, quick fire. One of those quick fire things is our favorite Blu-ray of the year. Yes. And uh, I'll go first. Please do. Mine was the Phantasm Collection. Ooh, what a beautiful set. Uh, this thing fucking rocked. You guys heard me talk about it a lot on the podcast. Um, I watched all five of the films. and For the first time, right? Yeah, for the first time. That's awesome. And just sort of fell in love with those characters and that whole universe and stuff. So, yeah. the Keegan, fant- Keegan has a Reggie tattoo now. He loved that. Yes. He loved Phantasm so much. I have zero tattoos. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Phantasm Collection was fucking awesome. Honorable mention, the House Collection. From the UK. Okay. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what about you, Eric? What was your favorite Blu-ray of the year? Ooh, I got a tie as Uh-oh. my, as my Here, number ready? one favorite. And it's because they're from uh, my other main man, uh, 
two new Fulci blues were released in 2017. I'm talking about the crazy ass Devil's Honey, okay, which I'd never fucking seen up until uh, that time, which I'm dying to see. Oh man, it is some sleazy sexploitation. I feel like whenever I want to put a film on the sleazy scale, the end all is the New York Ripper. Which is fucking fantastic. Right, exactly. And The Devil's Honey is pretty close to The New York Ripper. I'll never forget the first time I saw The New York Ripper. Um, There's some toe sequences that are just fucking baffling in that movie. Silver toes. Okay. So uh, what was your favorite movie? So I'm going Devil's Honey and Don't Torture a Duckling. That movie is so fucking cool. I'd seen it before, but rewatching it on blue... um, not saying because of like the quality of it, but just because of like it was just so much fun re- revisiting. I was like, "Holy shit, this is badass!" And the Phantasm Collection was from Wellgo. Yes. Uh, Don't torture a duckling is Arrow, Arrow. and uh, Severin. Devil's Honey was released by Severin. Severin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, House Collection is uh, Arrow as well. Um, so yeah, if what, I had to pick a favorite uh, distri- genre distribution company. I'm going Blue Underground. What are you going? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I'm still just... This is going to sound typical. Go I'm going to go Scream Factory to this okay. day. Um, I just I hate s- what they're doing now. I still feel like they're they're putting out like the biggest, most insane releases. And don't forget, like this also includes Shout. So, I mean, Matinee and The Burbs. That's I mean, next, I can't complain. Matinee about. is next week. Yep. I got my ordered, uh, my copy pre-ordered. But you already got like the fucking the Blue. from UK, yeah. Uh, is that a still? And I would say my second favorite is Arrow. Uh, no, I have the Matinee uh, UK Arrow, but I do have the Burbs Arrow UK, and it's a steelbook. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going Scream Factory, even though I know that's uh, typical. And you are going Blue Underground. But it's just because you like Bill Lustig. I love Bill Lustig. I bet you do now. Um, so let's do uh, favorite horror TV. Oh, The Exorcist was fucking fantastic. But I don't know, man. Riverdale is... I don't know. I can. I, I'm going with another tie. Sure, Exorcist yeah. and the Riverdale and the Riverdale, the Riverdale, <laughs> uh, the Riverdale River, Reaper. Uh, Riverdale returns next week yes. on the 17th. And gosh, I'm jonesing. Yeah, I'm still for really my Riverdale fix. I'm still really liking Riverdale. I'm almost caught up. Uh, last one I saw was the Town That Dreaded Sundown, uh, and that was awesome. Like that was cool that they used that as a format. So Riverdale right. is still great. Uh, my favorite horror TV is a little kind of like, I mean, I guess Riverdale is not really horror, right? I mean, not really. I wouldn't call Riverdale 100% horror. No. So it definitely plays with horror. So don't yell at me whenever I say Twin Peaks was my favorite horror TV of the year, specifically the eighth episode, uh, which all I will say is got a light. Um, yeah. Twin Peaks is just a baffling experience. Uh, 18 hours of just sort of bewilderment and shock and awe and then also nostalgia from the original series and i mean this is the most challenged i've ever been on a tv show uh it's 18 straight hours and dude i would say like a lot of them you have no fucking idea how this relates to anything and it it's it was awesome like i miss every sunday being like oh that new twin peaks was out i gotta watch it and it was I had no idea from week to week um, what the fuck the show was going to even be like some weeks it would be straightforward, a a story about these people in twin peaks. And then some weeks it would just be some baffling 
episode eight. That's all I'll say. I don't want to talk about it because I really, I don't, I wouldn't want to be spoiled on Twin Peaks, so I'm not going to talk about the things that happened. Are but, you picking it up on Blue? Uh, I want to. It's fifty dollars for the set, so I'm going to eventually. But yeah, Twin Peaks was just fucking awesome. Like the further and further away I get from the finale, the more I'm like, God damn! Like, oh, it's just things we don't. It's a sh- it's a show that's made in a way that I feel like we'll never get again. So um, that was my favorite horror TV of the year. Let's do one final topic. Oh, we got okay. two topics. One is worst horror movie of the year. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we don't like to shit on things, but Rings was fucking trash this year. I think that was this year. I think so, yeah. So that sucked. And also, uh, another thing that sucks, our favorite Ghoul Squad episode of the year. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'll just say what mine is. It's okay. it's It's... It's something I've wanted to do forever, and I'm so happy we finally did it. And it was our Friday the 13th franchise-ranked oh, yeah. episode. Um, I had so much fun putting that together, and I fucking love Friday the 13th. I love comparing, contrasting, and ranking those films. It's, like, amazing. So I love that episode. So if you haven't heard our Friday the 13th-ranked episode, check it out. Um, you know, I don't know if we, if we did it last year, but I always feel like our best episode was uh, the 90s episode. Yeah, I like that one as well. Yeah, that was that my favorite. might have been last year, but I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, crazy have... that we're going on for over a year now. <laughs> we're over two it's years now. It's crazy that I haven't wanted a break earlier. So, okay. do you have a favorite Ghoul Squad episode of the year? You can uh, just go. If I said 90s, I'm, I'm saying 90s, but I don't know if that was last year. Okay. Uh, that was a good episode as well. So, check out our Friday 13th ranked episode and our 90s episode. They're available on iTunes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's stop bullshitting around. Let's get to our top 10 What films. are you talking about? We're just going to do more bullshit. Well, wait. I'm going to get to that. Our top, our topic, the top 10 films of 2017. And as always, we're still not going to do our top 10 list because we have honorable mentions. That is right. So, um... Fuck it. Let's just start. Let's get going here. What? Awesome. Do you want to do yours first? Honorable sure. Mention? My honorable mentions are in no well, way, don't list form, them. Let's go back and ranked. Okay. Can no, can I just want to get that across that. My honorable mentions are just on a list of films that I thought were really good, but they didn't make the cut. <coughs> All right. Let's hear them. I'll start with your first one. All right. Cult of Chucky. Okay. Uh, this movie is fun because it's fucking Chucky. Uh you know, it's like a serious film, but then, you know, like Chucky's allowed to be goofy and uh, silly. They're allowed to make references to the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's particularly standout-ish about this film is it takes place in a mental institution where all the colors are just very bland. Just white, black, gray, not much of a color palette. But then when Chucky's on screen, he's just this brightly lit, colorful figure. And it's really fun to see this contrast, contrast yeah. yeah, on film. Um, I was disappointed that it didn't make my list. I liked it that much. I thought it definitely would be on yours. Um, I haven't seen it yet because I'm planning on taking out the entire franchise with that new box that I got. That's and I'm going to do good that. experience. Yeah. So uh, maybe we could rank those films for, oh, that's right. You're not doing the podcast. Um, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, he'll be, he'll be back, folks. Give me one of your honorable mentions. All right. One Stop. of my honorable mentions. Um, let's get this one out of the way. Uh, Jigsaw. Okay. So this is a film that I wanted to love and I did like, and I feel like I liked it more than everyone else, but it's probably just because I was so happy to see the franchise back. back. It's not a film I even really remembered came out, but when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I still like it. So I still like Jigsaw. It's an honorable mention for me, but it didn't make my list because 
I don't want. I'll put it this way: it kind of sucks, but uh, I like it. Well, that's what I was getting to. But I like it a lot, and I still. I, I can't. I hope they make another one. Um, I'm happy to see the franchise back, uh, but it sucks. It was kind of not that gory. I agree um, about that. Was it PG-13? No, it was. It was definitely R, but it was definitely a tame yeah. R. Yeah. Uh, what I appreciated was, uh, you know, they they gave us a twist in soft fashion, but you didn't have to be up on the sauce. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like. I would have just preferred them retcon like the series. I mean, we're not going to say what happens, I guess, but the way they did it, I would have preferred them just to say, fuck it. Like, um, if you know, saw jigsaw has been dead for a long time. That's cool that it's like a direct sequel still. Yeah. But even though it is a reboot in a sense, I I totally agree. I I guess I wish it would have interconnected better. I felt like this felt like a spinoff, right? Rather than a sequel. That's fair. Um, but yeah, Jigsaw. I mean, it made my honorable mentions. I like the film. It just, it's too bad it, it wasn't better. So right. that's Jigsaw. Give me another one. Uh, this movie was on my list for a while, but it got bumped off. Raw. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a, uh, a film about a young girl who's going to uh, veterinarian school. Yes. She is vegan, and while she's there, she begins to develop a taste for meat, and she turns cannibalistic. Um, there are a few, in my opinion, uh, cringeworthy scenes. And I felt like, uh, that's what makes this film so notable is because, you know, I want to see fucked up shit. Um, and this film certainly did not disappoint, uh, when it came to getting nasty. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about it later. Okay. So, uh, Raw is one of your honorable mentions. Correct. Uh, I'll go with another one. Split. Okay. Split's a really cool horror movie. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time at the theater. Um, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but obviously it has a really cool twist. But the film itself is a lot of fun, and it's it's a well-made movie, and it's good. But uh, I don't know. This is my, again, I guess we should address. This is a, these are our favorite films of the year, Correct. right? So it's not what's good or what's best. It's really more so what we liked. Right, just our most. opinion. And I liked Split quite a bit. But I kind of forgot I even saw it this year. Right. It was so, so early in the year. Yeah, but another film was early in the year, and we're going to be talking about that for years to come. So uh, Split. I liked it. Good point. But uh, ultimately didn't love it. I felt very similar to the way I felt about The Visit, which is um, not as good of a film as Split, but still a blast uh, two years ago, uh, but didn't make my list. So Split. It's a cool movie. Didn't make my list. What about you? Uh, this was one that I wanted on my list just for like to, for like uh, pretentious reasons. Uh-oh, here we go. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I, I enjoyed other films more. Uh, Soul Station. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, this is the animated prequel to last year's incredible Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, Train to Busan is a zombie film. Uh, what's interesting about Soul Station is uh, the man who directed Train to Busan also directed... Soul Station, right. and Train to Busan was his first live-action film. So he returned to the world of he returned to the world of animation uh, to tell another tale um, in this universe. Uh, it's about this young couple. They have this incredibly shitty life, um, like they're having trouble making ends meet, and the boyfriend wants her to turn tricks. And you learn that she was once a prostitute, but she no longer wants to continue. Um, turning tricks. So her father sees that he's like 
the boyfriend is basically like advertising her online and he tries to get in contact with the boyfriend so he can talk to his daughter and then the zombie apocalypse breaks out bub and the zombie apocalypse yes um I, like i guess this was supposed to be like how it kind of started in like the train to busan universe but there's really no explanation it's hmm. just like all of a sudden a homeless man is sick he has the zombie virus uh shit pops on so anyways the boyfriend the shitty boyfriend and the equally shitty father have to like team up to look for this girl while they're just zombies you know terrorizing uh south korea mm-hmm. and uh you know i don't want to knock animation i totally respect the genre but it's definitely not something I'm into. Sure. You know, like I'm not, you know, a new Pixar film comes out or something and I'm not probably not going to go see it. Speaking of which, Coco was great this year. Coco was excellent. Yeah, Coco was great. Which is funny that I just, I'm kind of shitting on animation right now. So anyways, I'm watching this and I'm like, yeah, this is cool, whatever. And then, for lack of a better term, the twist happens. Okay. And I was like, holy fuck. This is nuts. And all of a sudden, I cared about these characters so much more. And uh, I think I may dig it more a second time because I know what their outcome is going to be and who they become. And uh, Are they the soccer hooligans? No, no, okay. baseball. Okay. Um, Soul Station was great. Uh, if you like zombies, if you're into animation, I would strongly encourage you to check it out because it's definitely a story that is awesome to discover. Okay, cool. Soul Station. Yep. Um, so another honorable mention from me is, I think this came out this year, a film you probably forgot. And again, just an honorable mention, so don't Fuck freak you. out. Fuck uh, you! Phoenix Forgotten. Oh, yeah, I did forget about that I think movie. this came out this year. <laughs> and this is a cool, I thought it was cool. Like, listen, I almost forgot it came out as well, so I'm not saying it's like one of the best ever, but this is honorable mentions, and I just wanted to say stuff that you should check out. And I thought it was a cool movie. I just want to stop you for one second. Don't forget, we're talking Phoenix Forgotten. We're currently recording in Keegan's apartment. That's true. And I just yelled, fuck you really loud. Can your neighbors probably hear me? Oh, I'm for sure they can hear okay, us. Okay, great. Let's continue. That's, that's something we should know. Uh, we're in a new locale recording. Yeah, usually we're, we're at my house. Uh, and we're right next to your fridge making all kinds of noise. Correct. But today there was correct. a bunch of fuck-ass kids. running around just like crazy in the there's kitchen. A, there's a bunch of fuck-ass kids running up and down right outside my window with scooters and screaming. Um, but luckily they stopped or somebody stopped them. It is dark now. Thank God. So, uh, yes. What, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, we're uh, talking about Phoenix Forgotten. That's right. Phoenix Forgotten. Um, it's a cool movie. You know, it's in the vein of like a um, docu series on like Fox or something where they where they uncover uh, UFO investigation, blah, 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 blah. A girl loses her brother, thinks that it has something to do with like Area 51 type stuff. Uh, goes on a adventure to try to find her brother and it's found footage, but kind of more docu. And, uh, I liked it. I thought it was cool, you know, by the end of the film, I was like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Um, kind of almost forgot I saw it this year. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, that is Phoenix forgotten. Cool. Another one I got is jackals. Uh, this I want to see that. This is scream factories. Uh, I believe second, uh, original film. Yes. Um, it is a home invasion film but with a fun little uh, twist, uh, this kid has been brainwashed by a cult. Yeah. And the family, you know, wants him back. So they basically have to kidnap him from the cult. And uh, the cult shows up uh, at their cabin wanting uh, the kid back. Um, there's this really neat part. Uh, Stephen Dorff 
He plays uh, a cult deprogrammer. And it's almost it almost plays out like an exorcism where he's trying to, you know, get him to come back. Uh, so anyways, there is this some type of crazy ass cult outside trying to get in, kill the family. Do they wear masks? They do. They wear I feel like it wanted to be your uh, next. Yeah. Your next. Yeah. yeah. Um it's cool. I say check it out. Sure. If you have a chance. Uh I do want to see it. Uh Sorry for our banging on the table. If we touch my table at all, it makes all kinds of noise. Uh, it tips over and shit. The yeah, mics tips fall over, on the ground. Down. Now we're fuck on the floor ass. recording. All right. So another honorable mention from me. This is where they get to. Actually, no. I've got one more that's not so much a banger. Uh, Life. The, oh, Life was cool. Yeah. It's not really a horror movie, but it kind of is. In the same way, Alien. It's a, it's a fun monster film. Yeah, monster film. And that's all I want. Life is a lot of fun. You know, it's that film with uh, Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, and they there's this alien in space and they're trying to get away from it on a space station. Please go ahead. All E Dog needs and wants in life. Titties? I do this titties. Every, I do this every episode. Titties, titties, titties. Gore. Titties. And monster films. Yes. That's it. So uh life's a blast. Yeah, I liked uh, it a lot. And uh I guess I won't say what happens, but I also love the ending. It's fucking sure. awesome. And uh yeah, so life is really cool. Life is cool. Um if if there's like a film, if you're sitting at home on a Saturday and you're like, fuck, I can't find anything to watch, life's a blast, so please watch life. Um, that's life. The facts of life. Go ahead. Uh, I dug life. Uh, this next one I thought for sure was going to be on my list. Uh, and it's such a cool idea. It stains the sand red. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. This movie is really fucking cool. Uh, it is about this woman who is stranded in the Arizona desert. And there is one single lone zombie chasing her. So throughout the film, there are points where she's so far from the zombie, you know, she can rest. There's other points where the zombie is just like five feet uh, behind her. Now, obviously, the zombie doesn't get tired, but she keeps having to succumb to the elements. It's just so hot. You know, she's dehydrated. Her lips are just cracked. And she's having to walk over 30 miles while this zombie is just constantly um, pursuing her. That's pretty high concept. Uh, why doesn't she just kill the zombie? So early in the film, she's with her boyfriend. Spoiler, the, the zombie kills the boyfriend. And she keeps having a flashback of that. Like there's a point where she decides, okay, this has got to stop. But then she thinks about her boyfriend uh, right. dying. So she's afraid, traumatized. What I think about it, what I think is so cool about it is like, it's a new idea in the zombie world. And like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, uh, and it's just so cool that it's just this one fucking zombie who just won't fucking give, give up. up. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, after the last, after the first hour, I didn't like where the story went. Okay. And that's why I ultimately, uh, it ultimately didn't make my list. It breaks a lot of Romero zombie mythology mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, that's kind of a uh, no-go for E-Dog. Uh, but man, it is such a cool fucking idea. And it plays out just really, really well. Um, it sounds say, like a good idea of a zombie film. Similar to another one that, that is like just a great idea and a cheap way to make a zombie movie. Uh, the Battery. Oh, uh, right. Obviously not from this year. But if you haven't seen The Battery, please fucking see The Battery. I won't tell you what happens. Uh, so you can just you know be surprised when you see it. But there's this great moment where this girl is, uh, she's on her period, 
And I thought, okay. this, and I thought this was kind of like a real show of, like just like humanity, just like bringing this character to life. And she's got to stop to put her purse down and search through her bag to see if she has any tampons. All while this zombie is still okay <laughs> uh, chasing her, and she something you can relate to. And she. What she does with her period blood to gain a moment oh, Jesus of, Christ, of breath. Uh, it was it was it was cool. It was fun. It that sta- sounds cool. It stains the sound red. Uh, it gets a huge sure recommendation from. Well, that's a, that's a different take <laughs> on the title. All right, it's, let's get it, away it stains, from that. It's, it stains the sound red. It's on Shutter. I strongly encourage you guys to check it out. That's awesome. Uh, okay, another honorable mention from me is uh, yeah, these are kind of bangers from here. Uh, Mother. Ooh. So is Mother a horror movie? Mother is also an honorable mention for me. Uh, I don't feel it is a horror film, but I feel either, like it hits but yeah. horrific beats. Me too. And that's why I wanted to include it on my list. And uh, so it's really good. I would. I was just going to say, I would even say I love Mother. Mother's uh, I love this film. But ultimately, because it's not really a horror movie, and honestly, it kind of rises to be something else. Um, and I would say more of an art film in some ways and I fucking love mother. Um, I really want to rewatch it, but I'm kind of giving it some time cause it's so specific of a movie. Uh, but I'm definitely going to see it again. And I love Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I've loved almost all of his movies. So, uh, yeah, mother's fucking sick. Uh, we really can't talk about it really because it's quite spoilery. It played well for me a second time. Like well, that's I, awesome. I, I yeah. enjoyed it more a second time. See, I, that's kind of what I'm concerned about is to see it a second time. What fascinated me about seeing that movie was, and I hate to use this word again, but I was so challenged by that movie because I just wanted to know what was happening and it just won't fucking tell you what's happening. And, I, and then as, as kind of the ending comes and you kind of figure out, okay, I guess that's what this was. Uh, it's fucking awesome, dude. Mother's sick. So, uh, the second time I watched mother, I watched it with my mother what did she think? Uh, I was surprised that she was on board. What about the, the one scene at the end? Time. What did she think of that? Um, oh, well, she asked me, she's like, is that going to happen to this person? And I said, yes. And she closed her eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah. But it was like fun getting to like bounce ideas off of her. No, that's cool. And you know, neither of us came to a conclusion. No. But it was fun just being able to bounce ideas off each other about what we thought the fuck was going on in yeah. Mother. The film's quite ambiguous, but uh, it also kind of tells you what it is for the most part, like allegorical-wise. Sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, Mother's fucking awesome. Honorable mention from me. Um, I'll go for another one here. Okay. Uh, better Watch Out. Uh, so this is a Christmas horror movie that just came out. We talked about it a lot on the last podcast. Yes. And uh, I liked it a lot. Um, ultimately didn't, Lo- like outright love it but right. it's a film i definitely wouldn't mind watching every december correct um but i don't think it's like it doesn't rise to even you know krampus level like i think krampus is a classic i think this film is cool and a lot of fun um has some great twists and turns but uh ultimately wasn't going to make my top 10 for the year but super happy i watched it uh I had a great time watching it so better watch out i've got better watch out on my top 10 okay cool uh give me another honorable mention from you uh creep 2 uh, Joseph now is no longer going by Joseph and you learn that killing no longer excites him. So he hires this woman to document him, uh, as his like final, final piece on killing. And of course this entire time, this lady does his manifesto, if you will. Right. And of course though, this entire time, this lady doesn't believe that he is indeed actually a serial killer. Sure. Um, 
and that is how ideas are bounced uh, off of each other uh, throughout the film. Uh, I thought it was really cool for them to take the character in this direction. Yeah. Uh, Creep 2 was cool. Uh, I really want to see Creep 2. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, the first film I watched with Andrew, shout out to Andrew. And also, Andrew, thank you for your podcast equipment. I was which say we that. are still stealing from him. Uh, Damn, you're going to have to say that without me for like the next several months. So, uh, I watched it with him and uh, we loved it. The first creep is fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, you know, we're You'll- kind of... You will like the second one. We're kind of fans of uh, like the found footage genre, so um, I'm not surprised uh, you liked it, Eric. I'm not surprised I liked it. But yeah, Creep's cool, so I do want to see two. And it's available on Netflix. I only have one more audible mention, so... I got a couple more. Uh, let's do another one from you. Uh, Death Note. This was Adam Wingard's uh, Controversial. Netflix film, yeah. And I think that may have been why I was okay with it, because I have I don't know anything about the anime. I don't know anything about the animated uh, series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's about this uh, young kid. He gets this, basically a journal. Um, if you write somebody's name in it and visualize what they look like, they will die in a very final destination-y way. Mm-hmm. So Horrific. For, so for me, it was just kind of like a cool, like, gore uh, film. Um, and then there's this detective by the name of L, who's like crazy fucking smart, who's like on his trail trying to stop him, played by... I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's in Get Out. Uh, he's the dude who gets kidnapped at the very beginning. I can't remember his name. That dude is fucking awesome, and he plays the role really fucking cool of this like smart ass detective trying to capture um, this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Light is his name. Light is his name uh, in Death Note. I would say check that fucking movie out. Like, if I guess if you don't give if you don't know anything about the. Uh, Anime, anime, yeah. Uh, or if you're okay with seeing a different, a different interpretation of something that you like, yeah. Or if you like Adam Wingard, watch Death Note. Yeah. So I haven't seen it yet, and it was weird because I remember getting so amped before Death Note was going to drop on Netflix, and then all the reviews hit, and then all this weird conversation about you know just a lot of stuff that's not about the film, and I sympathize with some of that, so I'm not trying to dispute it. But it just got so complicated, the conversation around Death Note. I just fucking moved on, just basically. And I never I never saw it. So it was tight. Like, you know, one morning I didn't have to work. I laid in bed. I watched fucking Death Note. Um, I do love Adam Wingard. You know, both oh, yeah. Eric and I love Adam Wingard. So and I can't believe he would make a bad movie like people are saying. Because people are saying it sucks. And I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, last year I had Blair Witch on my list. And I fucking love the Blair Witch. Uh, everybody hated the Blair Witch thing, and uh, that was Adam Wingard. And everybody hated that. And I fucking love that movie. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess I could do my final honorable mention, and then you I can got a few more. Rattle off yours. Uh, I'll do mine. So my last honorable mention that I have here is Happy Death Day. Nice. Um, this is a film that didn't make my list, but just a fucking awesome time at the theater uh, when I saw it. Um, you know, as it started, it, it's sort of a it's not just like the formula that it was going for. Uh, I was kind of worried. I'm like, oh, okay, this is for teens or whatever. And then, um, it's fucking awesome. It's, yeah, it's, it's on my list. This is a PG 13 film. And, uh, my only, the only reason it didn't make my list was it didn't ultimately rise to something for like a favorite for me, but I have no like issues with happy death day. Like, right. I thought it was awesome. Um, I remember when we reviewed it on the podcast, we were both like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. So, so I totally have, you know, I'm not saying just like I said with mother, right? Like I love mother and I pretty much love happy death day. Just didn't make my favorite. So, um, happy death day. Give me another one from you. 
uh, a Martin for Our Times, The Transfiguration. Yes. Oh, not on mine, but yes, that's an awesome movie. Uh, this, you made me watch it. This, yes, and I'm glad you liked it. Uh, this next film I've got, I like a lot. I like it a lot. But I don't think it's strictly horror. Okay. Super Dark Times. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one I've got, I just had a fucking blast with because of how silly and gory it is. Um, just but, so you know, we will talk Super Dark Times, but please proceed. Okay. Uh, the Babysitter. Yes. Uh, the next two films I've got written down here are films that I don't think were particularly good. But I don't like the face you're making. But uh, they both feature fun, practical gore and monster effects. Can I guess? Go ahead. It's two films. The Void. The Void is one. And fuck, fun, practical monster effects. Well, this other one's just fun, practical, gory effects. And it is Sam Mendes's Don't Kill It. Oh, okay, cool. And my last one was uh, Sam Was Here. Have you heard of this fucking movie? I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. This movie is a fucking... I don't want to call it a mess, but it's like so enthralling in a sense where it's like, I don't know if any of this is going to work out. Okay. And so I was just like captivated for like, and it's only like 70 minutes long. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a drawn out episode of Twilight Zone about this dude who's, he's in some desert town where it doesn't seem like there's anybody there. Okay. Uh, he's a door to door salesman. Uh, Anytime he goes to somebody's door, anytime he goes to a gas station, anytime he's in the lobby of the hotel he's staying in, there's nobody fucking around. It's just like the middle of nowhere, seemingly. And he only gets one radio station. And they start. And it's Adrian Barbeau. And they, I wish. And they start talking about this, this serial murder, murderer who's in this town, and they're claiming that it's him. So eventually people do start appearing and they start trying to come after him because they think he's this killer. Okay. So all the while he's trying to solve this mystery of what the fuck is going on with this town and why the fuck do they think I'm a killer? Hmm. Um, Sort of blew me away with this crazy idea. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And the film just stays like nutty as fuck. Uh, how did you watch it? Shudder. Oh, okay. And give us another update on Shudder. You, you, E-Dog is pro Shutter. I love the fucking core, even though Shutter never fucking works. So when it does work, how how has your quality been on Shutter? Like, you know is I, it you still know, fucked up? You know, so I've been watching the core on my phone. Well, but the core is digitally shot. I mean, it's different. Like, how oh. are the films looking? Oh, uh, you know, I tried watching Christmas Evil during the month of December, and uh, didn't happen. It didn't happen. I got about twenty minutes into that film. Because it wasn't good or because it sucked? Because of the stuttering, yeah. picture quality what the fuck of is Shutter. Wrong with Shutter. Okay. I love Shutter. Okay. So so those are my honorable mentions of a stellar year. Yes, absolutely. Um, who wants to go first on our top 10? This is I'll exciting. I'll go first. Okay. So this is our top 10. We're finally, We're finally here there. at our top 10 of 2017. Yep. Eric's final episode of the podcast. Forever. <laughs> We're kidding. Uh, tell me <laughs> your number 10 uh, of your top 10 of 2017. Uh, the girl with all the gifts. Okay, cool. Uh, you know what? I love zombie movies. I love zombie movies a whole bunch. I would almost say if I had to pick one favorite subgenre within horror, I would go zombies. Uh, the girl with all the gifts is about a world that has been overran by a fungus that reanimates uh, the dead. I take that back. I don't know if it's reanimating the dead or if it's just turning people into zombie-like creatures. I think it's the the latter. 
And humans have created this gel. Uh, you learn that the zombie's primary sense is their smell. And whenever the humans put on this gel, it masks their scent. So um, there are these young kids, maybe 10, 11, 12. They're held prisoner uh, in this bunker who are infected with the fungus, uh, but for whatever reason did not turn. Like their bodies didn't. Like they're immune. Right. Um but they still have the zombie traits. Like you learn if they're around a human without the gel, they're going to try to attack. Okay. Uh, same dumb bullshit about they want to try to create a cure. They want to try to create it using the kids. Yep. Yep. Um, but there's one girl who's just... With all the gifts. She's just super intelligent. Like she just constantly wants to learn more. Uh, it shows where the kids are in class and she just like accelerates uh, in her class. Um, the base is overthrown uh, when a huge horde of zombies get in. And so uh, this main girl, the teacher, the scientist that wants to kill her, and several of the soldiers go out on this road trip looking uh, for some type of contact. Mm -hmm. And then they just get into a bunch of wild shit while out on uh, the road. And what did you think of the girl with all the gifts? I liked it a lot. It's my number 10. Hell yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. I really want to. Uh, it was like kind of a big film this year, and I didn't I didn't see it. Uh, we often talk about how we like seeing kids in danger. Children in peril. Uh, some kids get fucked up in this movie. I feel like my list has a lot of that now just looking at it. So um, that's cool. And it's also just super clean. It's super slick, uh, just like production Shot wise. Shot really well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so number 10 girl with all the gifts. Please That's give cool. me uh, your number 10. Uh, my number 10 is, uh, a film as far as I know you haven't seen. So both of our films are films. Neither of us have seen. Lay it on well, me. not neither of us. That's not right. But lay it on me string. Beat. <clears throat> so my number 10 is, uh, among the living. Duh, I want to see it so bad. Whenever we did the episode yeah. where we recommended each other stuff, I had, I was hoping you were going to say among the living. Uh, Please but continue. instead I, I, I chose house Two, the second story. Woo. Woof is what you're supposed to say. Uh, so, Among the Living is my number 10 of 2017, and uh, this is a film that I did watch on Shudder. Uh, it was impossible to fucking watch on that shit because did of it, the quality. Was it stuttering a lot? Oh, yeah. I had to restart it like six times. Ouch. But and the, it still came in at number 10. I was going to say, but the film survived wow, because... So, um, so, these are... I'm going to say their name one time. This is Julian Mori and Alexandre Bustillo or Brustillo. I'm going to say close. Bustillo because of where we are. Uh, but... So that's the one time I'm going to say their name. From now on, I'm going to call them the Inside Guys. That sounds great. And so these guys directed one of my favorite films literally of all time, and that yes. is the French film Inside. The Incredible And so they, they directed this movie, Among the Living, which I talked about on the podcast, but if you haven't heard, uh, it's about these kids that um, it's, it's a foreign film, so it's uh, French language. And um, it's about these kids that uh, get kicked out of school one day and um, I think they're suspended for something or no, it's the last day of school. Regardless, they leave school, they go off into the uh, wilderness and it has sort of a standby me vibe, uh, which is very in right now. And these kids, you know, they go out on a boat on this pond, they, they, uh, you know, cut down trees. They, they, they get into hijinks, you know, they're, they're, they're breaking windows at abandoned houses, stuff like that. And at some point, they come across this this uh, town, which is actually an old movie studio lot that's that's uh, defunct, basically. And they get there, and they're like, oh, this is so cool. Like, they make movies here. And uh, they see something they're not supposed to see. 
they see a person pulling a woman screaming out of the back of a car and throwing her into a hole in the ground. And so it has a similar, um, kind of similar to Jeepers Creepers opening. Um, and so the kids are like, well, what the fuck? What do we do? And, you know, of course, some one of the kids, I, I don't, let's leave. Let's get the fuck out of here. And the other kid's like, no, we have to see what's going on. So they are thrust into um, a situation that they shouldn't be in. And these kids basically uncover, like, um, I'll just say serial killer stuff, uh, bad things, um, grotesque things, fucked up things. And then uh, because of that, they are, uh, I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to spoil the film, but they are um, hunted down later. Uh, so not only do they find this, this horror, but this horror comes to them, like even to their house when they're sleeping, maybe. So, um, it's, it's stand by me meets, um, honestly kind of like Texas chainsaw massacre in a way. And, uh, it gets really fucked up and there are children in peril. And the way the film sort of ends is there's a lot of fucked up stuff that happens at the end of among the living. And uh, I thought it was awesome. I think these guys are fucking great directors. Have they only done three films? As far well, they've also done that movie Livid, which oh. I haven't been able to see. Um, it is not. Uh, it is more of a haunted house film, so it's not as gory as Among the Living. Uh, or it's no- just never made it to the states, right? It hasn't made it to the states. Kind of like Among the Living didn't, and another film. Uh, but so Among the Living, and also- they're definitely two for two with yeah. me. Uh, they're three for three with me. Uh, Among the Living's fucking awesome. Uh, please, if you have Shutter, just go check it out. Um, get ready to you know read the subtitles, but French language is so tight, and uh, we will talk more about French horror soon. My number ten is Among the Living. I love uh, these directors. We should do a, a favorite French uh, film episode that we'll never do. Yeah, we oh we should do that. Let's do it next month. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, number nine for E Dog is a film you already talked about. Uh, better watch out. Okay, cool. Um, and I totally agree with you about this is definitely a film that I'll probably want to revisit uh, every December. Um, you know what's funny is I fucking love Silent Night, Deadly Night. Of course. And, you know, it's not only is Silent Night, Deadly Night one of my favorite Christmas movie horror movies. It's one of my favorite movies, period. Yeah. But I almost feel like Better Watch Out is almost too nasty. And I just think that's funny because I think Silent Night, Deadly Night is uh, incredible. I, w- I, I, would guess use, I, say, I would use the words like we have before, mean-spirited. That, that's what I meant, but, was uh, mean-spirited. Ah, dude, Silent Night, Deadly Night's way better. Yeah, than Silent Night, Deadly out. Night is yeah, is is some next-tier uh, shit. But you're right. Better Watch Out is very mean, mean-spirited, it's, for It's sure. almost like Silent Night, Deadly Night has its has a Christmas spirit, <laughs> okay. where, whereas Better Watch Out doesn't have sure. uh, a Christmas spirit. Um, I watched it with my mom uh, the second time I watched it, and I could kind of tell she was just kind of like, the fuck are you showing me? Huh. You know? Um, but yeah, no, I like it a lot. Uh, again, I do want to see nasty and fucked up shit. Right. Um, fun that it's kids, fun that it's uh, Christmas. Uh, it hit just enough right beats uh, for me that I made it my number nine. That's cool. Um, yeah, Better Watch Out's awesome. It was on my honorable mentions. Uh, just didn't make my list because it wasn't one of my favorites of the year. But uh, a film that I, I really liked. And I'm, I'm, I thought it was cool we got we watched it together. So yep. um, Eric and you know, I rarely watch films together, which is weird. What's funny is uh, Keegan invited me over. He was like, hey, do you want to watch a movie? And uh, I was like, yeah, let's watch Better Watch Out. And you were like, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, this is through text. And I reply back, or let's watch Mayhem. And you're just like, no, let's watch Better Watch Out. <laughs> and now in hindsight, that was a smart decision. That was the correct choice. Yes. yes. 
All right, so that was your number nine. That was my number nine. nine. So what is your number nine? My number nine of 2017 is It Comes at Night. Okay. This is a film that um, I almost forgot came out, but then the more I thought about it, the more I remembered how much I really liked this movie. Uh, I wish... The bigger the bigger problem with it comes tonight. It was very controversial this year when it came out. Uh, is it A twenty four? I want to say yes. Yeah, it's A twenty four. Really controversial film because as it comes out, uh, it's almost not a horror movie. I right. think it is, and uh, it doesn't have a very satisfying ending. I'll just say that. And so, um, but I don't think that should. Uh, like, okay, for instance, I went and sat in the theater and watched this movie and loved every minute of it and then it ended kind of unsatisfactorily but that shouldn't that shouldn't ruin the film right because i loved what i did see what led up um i really like the movie i when i was watching it the first time i almost kind of thought wow this is almost the last of us like the movie like this is how you could make the last of us as a movie and pretty cheaply at that um so i really liked it's you know, it's about this, it's, it's unclear. A virus. This virus that breaks out in this family that lives in this house in the middle of nowhere and like how they're trying to sustain and live. And uh, Joel Edgerton is the main character and he uh, has a lot of rules for his family where they can't go out at night and stuff. And um, But it has some really eerie scenes and it's not just the dream sequences. Like there's this stuff with, I've talked about this before, but this stuff with this re- this door. It's not supposed to be open, but it is. And I, I found all that really scary and creepy and eerie. Um, and then, of course, the film is mostly about, like, can you trust other people? Forget the virus. Right. Can you trust other people um, when everything's fucked? So, yeah, it comes at night. Really liked the film. It's my number nine. Um, I, I didn't buy it. I, I don't know if I'll watch it again, <laughs> maybe ever. But uh, when I thought back to it, I thought, man, that I really, really, really like that movie. So it's my number nine. I also really liked uh, It Comes at Night. Um, I kind of have a silly reason. Okay. Uh, for not including it? For not including it was because like you, you know, what you said, the threats are the virus. Sure. Uh, other people. I want, uh, I wanted a paranormal, uh, supernatural entity in it. Sure. And since it does not include one, which is absolutely fine. Uh, you know, but I want some big dumb monster or something. Sure, uh, that's why yeah. I kind of just felt like, yeah, that was cool, but people, whatever. People fucking hated. No, this I movie. didn't. Hate it was it. so weird. Um, yeah, I really liked it. So it comes tonight's my number nine. Um, it's fun seeing like friends that I I say I should say friends with like air quotations it's acquaintances. Like, yeah, uh, that like on Facebook like complain about horror films, like especially like this because it's just like it's so fun to see like an outsider's perspective. Uh, perspective, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, come on, guys. It wasn't the worst film you've seen or some well, bullshit like that. On that topic, I'll make this story extremely quick. I went and saw Insidious the Last Key with that packed crowd. And it was so full, I had to sit next to somebody. And the whole crowd was literally screaming and and uh, awing at, at a lot of the horror and stuff. And like, so it played the crowd like a fiddle. And then, of course, as soon as the credits hit of Insidious 4, uh, the guy in front of me goes, <laughs> out loud, well, that blew. <laughs> and I was just like, you know Fuck what? you. I love this town. Yeah. So uh, my number nine was It Comes at Night. What is your number seven? Uh, this is my eight. Oh, shit. Your uh, number eight. My number eight is Happy Death Day. And as uh, I'm sure everybody already knows, it's about a girl who is murdered. She wakes up 
again on that same day when she's going to be murdered. So it becomes a mystery. Groundhog Day is a slasher. Right. It becomes a mystery of how do I stop this and who is the killer? Uh, she believes that if she solves these two mysteries, she'll get out of this time loop. Yeah. Um, what I particularly liked so much about Happy Death Day was it's a transition for this character. Yeah. She's just this really kind of like awful person. And over the course of the film, she kind of discovers her worth as well as other people's worth. And she becomes a better person. Yeah. And I thought it had this positive message of you can be a better person today. You don't have to wait until uh, tomorrow. And um, as corny as that fucking sounds, uh, I really dug it. And it didn't have to have titties or gore. Yeah. No, I so it's a different take on uh, the slasher, uh, I guess, because it's not concerned with those elements that are always featured heavily right. in slasher films. Um, I felt like Happy Death Day and The Final Girls are just two great examples of slashers doing something different and really pull it off. Yeah. it's. I mean, the best part, the best thing about Happy Death Day is a slasher making a bunch of money at the box office. Like True that's that. so exciting to me. Uh, and yeah, that was something I loved about the film was once I realized that they were doing like the uh, positive message and right. like, it, it's kind of about like, it, like, you know, remembering that like your family's important right. and like what's really important isn't like, you know, going out when you're in college, it's really right. your family and, and, um, facing being, being true to who you are. Right. And then facing like problems head on instead of ignoring them. Um, I really liked those messages as corny as like you were saying, they right. sound, uh, I really liked that. You know, I, I felt a little bit of emotional, uh, at the end of that film, which is weird from a Blumhouse. A slasher. Yeah. Slasher. And Blumhouse is just I, fucking nuts this year. I went and watched it with uh, my buddy Dana and I'm pretty sure we were the oldest people in there, not accompanied by a, an adult. And when like the final strings of that film are being strummed, I was going, Oh, you know, yeah. like, I, I remember when we reviewed it on the podcast, but like I said, oh, and you're like, that's exactly what I thought. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So happy death day. Uh, that has a blue release in next week and I'll definitely be picking it up. Um, I totally agree. It's funny. Uh, I thought about putting it on this list and I thought, would I buy that movie? And for whatever reason, I don't think I'm going to buy it. And I, I have no idea why. That's definitely a film that I'll uh, want to show people. Um, well, that's awesome. That was my number eight. So please give me your seven, sir. My number seven is a film that we're probably going to talk about. So my number seven is Leatherface. Yes. So uh, Leatherface is the second film by the Inside Guys. I'm not going to try their name again. And uh, I can't believe I got to see two movies by uh, who are becoming, I mean, my favorite directors right now. Um, not my favorite, but one of my favorite right. uh, directing teams. And uh, it just sucks that their shit is so inaccessible, inaccessible. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, it held back. I know. And uh, it was funny because I saw this film a little bit later after it came out. You saw it before me and it was for whatever reason I had Christmas and um, how oh, did you watch it? Did you just, rent I just it? rented it from Amazon. Okay. And uh, you know, I use this phrase a lot. Uh, it kind of blew me away. Dude, uh, I love this. Man. Is sick. Yeah. And it was odd, you know, uh, we'll address the, I'll address this right here. Um, the conversation around the film is like, Oh, it's not really a Texas chainsaw film. And, and I almost feel like that's a valid complaint. Sure. But, but that, that doesn't no matter about the film. Yeah. Makes it a bad film. No. Right. 
And uh, I love how mean-spirited. Oh, yeah. I love how fucked up this movie it's is. It's nasty. There's this part where somebody points a shotgun directly in a victim's face and pulls the trigger. Right. And all this blood just flies everywhere. Right. And uh, I literally thought in that moment, I thought, I mean, they're not going to actually pull it. Boom. And I was like, oh. And that was how I felt. I was like, okay, boys. Right. <laughs> You guys are still really fucked up. So, um, I it's I'd like to see a picture of them just so I can have a visual representation of them in my mind. So, um, I, I should say though that when things are fucked up, it doesn't just like it's not just the fucked up aspects that make the film good. So I don't want to imply like, oh, if I saw like Guinea Pigs or August Underground, like I would like those films because they're fucked up. Right. It's it's the, no, there's a story there. No, yeah, and I really, Absolutely. really, really dug the story of Leatherface, and it's mostly about this girl that gets abducted and I thought the girl was great. Uh, and they go on this like kind of like a road. It's almost like a road trip movie, but sure. they're being held hostage by these uh, crazy people from an insane asylum. Right. They're, they're young kids. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was a fucking blast. I loved uh, the characters in it. I actually wanted them to survive. Um, I won't let, I won't tell you if they do. And uh, I didn't. And two of them are particularly nasty. Yes. And uh, I love where this film goes. I love how fucked up it gets. It's awesome, dude. And yeah, I just really enjoyed... um, I enjoyed the end that it becomes like the Leatherface prequel, that it becomes a prequel to Texas Chainsaw. What's fucking wild now is like, according to those people, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre timeline now goes Leatherface, the original than Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah. Like those three movies may have been well, well, may have well have been made on three different fucking planets. Yeah, for but, sure. You know, I like all three of those movies. I do too. Um, but it's funny because I think Leatherface, this film is much, much better than Texas Chainsaw oh. 3D. Yeah. 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 And uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D is just goofy. And if it has it pretty ass Alexander Daddario. I was going to say, if it didn't have Daddario, we might not like it as much. But um, yeah. So Leatherface. I love these guys. Um, I had to tweet about it as soon as I saw it. I was like, you know what? You no, know, uh, I remember you texted me. You're like, I finally saw Leatherface. I loved it. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I'm not surprised these guys' films are hard to get and they're not getting big releases because they're kind of making. Um, super non-mainstream shit, but uh, I think they're really good at it. Right. And uh, so I love them. So I love Leatherface. I can't wait to see what film they do next. I got to get a hold of Livid, that Levi, Livid, um, their other film I haven't seen. So I love Leatherface. That was my number fucking seven. Yep. Uh, I was so excited that I liked it that much. Like that's why I texted you. I'm glad you did like it. You know what? It's like when, when it was coming out, I just heard so much negativity. Yeah, me too. Me too. And then I watched it. Then like people that we talked to on social media watched it. Yep. And all of them are like, no, this is cool. Yeah. So I'm glad that there are people who are uh, digging it as well. Yeah, this film and another film I'm going to talk about in a minute. Uh, I watched back to back. They're both really fucked up. And they got me... Uh, I mean, I, I know people say this a lot, but it doesn't happen often for me where I don't feel energized on the genre. And uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't energized, but I saw these two, Leatherface and this other movie I'll talk about in a minute. And I got super energized. I'm like, what else? Like, give me something else. Like, give me another one. Uh, I want I want to watch something else right now. Uh, so it got me energized on, like, the genre. So I liked Leatherface that much. What is Eric Hoff's number six? Uh, this is my seven. I feel like we're. Uh, I know I'm fucking up flipping our roles here. Normally. I have no idea what's, what's going on. What's funny here. is like for this episode, I was the one telling Keegan, 
Hey, when are we going to record? Uh, my number seven is what I'm going to call the second scariest movie of the year. And I am talking about Annabelle Creation. Okay. This is the prequel to Duh, uh, Annabelle. And this is kind of the film that lets us all know uh, that The Conjuring uh, has its, has a universe. Yes. Uh, this I'm going to let you talk it because I will talk about it later. Okay. Uh, well... So it's about uh, this orphanage that has to move into a home um, owned by a older couple who have lost their child uh, over a decade ago. And that the ghost of the child may or may not be haunting uh, the house. Uh, shit pops off. Uh, I recently... Re- shit sure does pop off. I recently revisited this and the scares in this film are just... Great, and you know, like, like they're yeah. they're boo jump scares. Yeah, there's huge buildup uh, to these mm-hmm. scares. There's great payoff to these scares. I fucking turned it off. Yeah. I had to, I had to finish it the following day because I was like, "Fuck, man, this is creeping me out." Well, I don't want to sound like a bitch, but I've been dying to rewatch the film. But I don't want to say I'm afraid to rewatch it, but I know that it's gonna scare me. Right. So I haven't rewatched it. Yeah. It's, I yeah. And and then what's cool is like not only is it scary, it's really good. Yeah. Like it's like a good legit scary film. Yes. Yeah. Uh I'll talk more about it. That's why I'm just okay. going to hold back. So I'm happy to hear it made your list yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um so that was your number 7. So seven. this will be your 6, da. 9 8 7. I think I'm on 7. Uh-oh. This isn't the first time this has happened. I know we do this on every episode. No, I'm on my 7, right? Because Among Living Ones my 10. It comes at night's 9. Leatherface is 8. So seven, I haven't spoken about yet. Okay. Okay, my number seven, regardless, my number seven is a film that uh, I feel bad about being this high, but I also don't mind because when I put it here, I looked at the films that I put above it and I thought, yes, these films are better than this movie, but I am so fucking happy that this film came out this year. And so my number seven is uh, Victor Crowley. Yes. So very happy that this came out. You know, we spoke a lot about it on the podcast and if you know Eric and I, we're huge Adam Green fans. We're very big Hatchet fans. I would even say, I mean, we knew each other long before the first Hatchet came out. We but did. I would almost say that like something that bonded us together is probably our love of Hatchet um, back then. Okay. Uh, because when it came out, you know, we were our, obviously already friends, but um, I love uh, Hatchet. that term around pretty loosely, aren't you? Which part? Friend. Friend? <laughs> I'm not sure we're friends now. We were then, but we're certainly not anymore. Uh, so Victor Crowley uh, is a film I like a lot, and it's really not out yet still. No, but it has a very imminent blue release. Yes, February 6th, is it, or 9th? Something um, like that. It's soon. So uh, I don't want to spoil the film still. Uh, Adam asked everybody that saw it not to spoil it until it comes out. It's still not officially out. So I'm not going to really uh, – I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. We did a whole kind of section on uh, one of our past episodes – Victor Crowley, an awesome film. Go buy it. Go support indie horror. Go support Adam Green. Um, so happy that he made such an interesting sequel to the to his films. Um, his first three uh, Hatchet films, which I know he didn't direct the third one, but uh, they're all kind of formulaic, and I felt like this one broke the mold and was kind of something different. Right. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Strangers – uh, oh, I don't want to spoil it. So, uh, yeah, Victor Crowley. I was happy to see that he did something different, and it was st- it was awesome. And he's already stated that uh, the version that's going to be on Netflix is going to be cut. Yeah. So make sure you buy the blue because you don't want to miss. For sure. He's already said, like, what's been cut. 
It's one of our favorite scenes. Yeah, in the movie. and it's so goddamn ridiculous. So make sure you watch that movie in it, its entirety, in yeah. its entire form. Yes. So uh, Victor Crowley is my number. I can't count, dude. It's my Keegan's on drugs. <laughs> I'm all fucked He's up. He's all fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's my number mm-hmm. seven. So Victor Crowley's my number seven. Yeah. What's your next one, Dad? I don't even know where we're at. My number six is a go. film that we just spoke about at length. And it is Leatherface. Yes. Um, I loved Leatherface uh, so much. Um, uh, I guess I will say uh, that I am a sucker and that I completely You fell definitely are a fucking sucker, but go ahead. I completely fell for uh, where the film went. You know, so these kids break out of this mental institution and they don't let us know which one is going to eventually be Leatherface. But there's an assumption. There's a, well, I mean, it obviously that's why we're watching this fucking movie. We sure. know one of them is going to be Leatherface, and this entire like seventy minutes or so that we're watching this film, I'm like, okay, this kid is Leatherface, and uh, but some other things happen, and when the reveal comes, I was like, holy fuck! It was it was such a fun roller coaster ride for me of thinking I know where this is going. And then the film was like, no, you don't because you're a dumb idiot. And this is actually what's happening. Yes. Um, When it finally gets to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, like when he's finally wielding a chainsaw, it does feel kind of different. Sure. Like the whole... It almost feels like a different film at that point. The whole road trip stuff is superior. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I feel like just because a, um, a film makes... Uh, a character behave differently than what you expect. That doesn't make it a bad movie, right? You might just disagree with it. That it's perfectly okay to say, "Hey, I don't like this movie." Sure, for that reason. And I almost feel like that's where a lot of Leatherface hate came from, is because they didn't like what they did with the character. Right. Very uh, similar to the Last Jedi hate. Right. Exactly. Very similar. Yeah. I mean that that definitely happened for me with like Day of the Dead. Like I fucking hated what they did with Bub slash. Uh, Max, uh, but in the case of Leatherface, but that movie probably actually fucking sucks. Yes, that's also true. Uh, but in the case of Leatherface, um, I was okay with the changes that they chose to make, and it's just this nasty, gory, uh, fun film. Yeah, almost like I said, like almost like a road trip film, but from the perspective of people that are being held captive on the road trip. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I love. Uh, Leatherface, I talked about it a lot, but yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. What's funny is I watched Jackals and then I watched Leatherface, and both of those had Stephen Dorff in them, and I thought, what the fuck's going on here? Um, so number six was my Leatherface. Was um, my Leatherface? I believe I'm on my number six. Uh, so 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 let's hear your six. My number six uh, is a film that I think you will have rated higher. Um, and again, this is another moment where I go, Ooh, is it really this low? And I looked at the, the names above it and thought, yes, this is where it goes. Um, my number six is Gerald's game. Nice. So I loved Gerald's game. It's a fucking awesome movie. I just like the films ahead of it that I have ahead of it more, but, uh, it's, it's a mind blower, you know, it's a film. So good. Yeah. That, you know, on one hand is just about somebody chained to a bed and trying to, uh, get out basically that's such a good premise though oh yeah 100 percent. that is such a good premise it is uh, older couple wanting to spice up their sexual life uh-huh can i say this yeah go ahead i just I mean, thought, I mean, you, I thought is, you'd save it for your i mean this is the film right yes no i thought you were i thought you'd save it for oh. your your pick oh 
but go ahead. Okay. Explain it. You always do a better uh, job at this than I do. Uh, they want to spice up their love life. The husband wants to use handcuffs, so he chains uh, his wife to the bedpost. Literally, like five or ten minutes later, he has a heart attack and he dies. Yes. And this house that they're in is just super secluded. So the rest of the film is her trying to find out how the fuck uh, am I going to get out of this situation? Yes. Directed by Mike Flanagan. Who is like basically a master a of horror right solid now. fucking director. Yeah. Right. And I'm not sure if this is, um, regardless if it's the book or not, uh, the way he shoots this and the way he sort of. Uh, strings the film into a film because you could say, oh, well, she's chained to the bed for 90 minutes. Like, what do you do in that time? And it's baffling. You know, it's a baffling film filled with uh, a lot of commentary and a lot of like childhood trauma and just inner demons and stuff. And the way he he basically has um, the main character uh, talk to herself, but uh, through like visions right. uh, of like sorts. There's, like she actually sees herself unchained right and so walking around the bedroom as well as the husband back to life but really it's just her imagining right and one of the things i liked the most was her talking to herself when she's like all right this is what you need to do right how to get out of this and i thought it was super cool because uh it almost felt like um you know that's what your inner monologue would actually be but he was what I love about film is he was visualizing that inner monologue and i bought it i bought it like oh yeah you'd be like all right i'm fucked but what can I do? Uh, and so I really like unfucked. Exactly. I really like those aspects. And then as it goes, gets progressively more, um, fucking insane. It does. And, uh, I wouldn't, I would say the final like 10 minutes are kind of, I feel like the film, at least I'm not talking about the story, the film, uh, it feels a little tacked on like for, for it to sort of go that way. I got to disagree with you, sir. Uh, but, I'm not saying I didn't like that. I'm saying it feels a little tacked on, but I really, really, really liked the ride. And I love where the film goes. And I especially love the, uh, um, her childhood trauma that is just, you know, it's almost scarier than stuff that's happening in the film. Right. So uh, I would say it is scarier than stuff that happens in the film. Uh, so I really liked the exploration of those things. So, it's all equally fucked up. Yes, it is. So Gerald's Game, uh, that was my number six. So my number five is... Gerald's game. There it is. Um, That's higher than I thought you'd have it. Dude, this movie fucking terrified me. Um, I'm calling this the scariest film of 2017, and I'm not going to say why. Okay. I, I just want people to, um, you know, discover the film for themselves. Obviously, people different people find different things uh, scary. Um, I live at home alone, and you know, I'm really, not, and I'm not, yes, you know, I don't live with anybody. I don't have a roommate. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm not chained to the fucking bedpost every night. I wish you were, though. Um, but this situation and shit that happens in this in her situation, um, it gave me fucking nightmares. Like, it Damn. legit, like, woke me up. Like, fuck. Um, and kind of what exactly what you said about Annabelle. Like, I want to revisit it, but, like, yeah. is it going to creep me out? And what you're saying about uh, how you didn't like that final reveal mm-hmm. of the film, I thought was fucking Awesome. Well, it almost like amplified the scariness to I, me. I want to be clear. I think you know what I meant. It, it's not that I didn't like it. I felt like they could have honestly made the film a little bit longer and it felt like a montage, right? So like we spend all this time with all this great development and then we montage the last five minutes and the movie's over. I would have preferred it to, to be um, more developed, 
Okay. But I st- I liked it. Okay, so in The Conjuring, we've got the Annabelle doll. We've got the nun. We've got the fucking crooked man. There's something in Gerald's game that should have its own fucking film sure. or universe. Because that thing is Scared the fuck fucking terrifying in my opinion i didn't think it was as i don't know why it killed me so much i I, I don't know it it fucking just damn it really i I guess because it was like this is already a fucked up situation and holy shit there's other fucked up shit happening as well there's so much fucked up shit it's just there's levels of fucked up shit in gerald's game and it equates to awesomeness and then there's one specific gore scene which i would say to me was my most horrifying gore scene of the year um, I saw, you know, Fair. films like Leatherface or Among the Living or a film I'm going to talk about in a minute, and they had gross things in them. But I, I have never my body part that this happened to had never hurt. Like every time I think about this scene from the film, my that body part of mine, hurts. Uh, which sounds ridiculous, but it 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 hurts because it is the most grotesque depiction of. Um, sort of gore in that department that I've seen uh, probably ever. And it looks really well. Oh, it looks so good that it, it makes my spine tingle thinking about that. So not only does it have this like scary sort of other element, but it also is a horrifying situation and then has an expertly crafted, disgusting fucking gore scene. Um, so I agree, man. Gerald's game is fucking great. Gerald's game is excellent. Uh, and it's also exciting that Mike Flanagan, he has a new film as of right now on uh, Netflix. It's new to us. Which he made years ago. It's a film he made years ago and for whatever reason never saw distribution. And now it's a... It's funny. I almost bought the... Sorry. I almost bought the Canadian blue of it uh, before I wake. Oh, right. Uh, it can't, apparently it had a Canadian Blu-ray like a year ago. Oh, and it's that. a Region A Canadian Blu-ray. You just have oh, to okay. import it. Um, and yeah, we finally got it. It's on Netflix. So that's a, it's so exciting that, uh, we have another film of his to look forward to. Yeah. Mike Flanagan is, you know, I haven't seen Abstentia. I haven't seen. Abstentia is great. Abstentia. Oculus. I've seen Oculus. Oculus I've seen Hush. Hush is great. Now Gerald's game. There's another one I'm missing though. I've seen Ouija two. Oh, Ouija two is fucking great. Mike Flanagan is just fucking sick, dude. Yeah, I agree. So that was your, that Gerald's game was my five. Okay. So my number five is uh, the fucked up movie I've been talking about. And you already mentioned it. It is Raw. Okay. This is a movie that I saw back to back. I watched Leatherface and then I watched Raw to get ready so for this. you just had some French hits on your hands. I did. And boy, did I, it got, like I said, it got me so energized. I'm like, is, is there some other French thing I'm missing right now? Right. It's awesome that like French was such a big deal in like 2007, yes. 2008. And it's awesome that this year there was, New French to see. Yeah. And French extremism, as, as we've spoken about at length on this podcast, is one of my favorite things on the planet. And a lot of times I can't pinpoint why. It's, again, it is not just because the gore and it's fucked up. There's something about um, their storytelling that I just love. I don't know right. what it is. And uh, that's in Raw, man. Raw is obviously, as you detailed, a film about a girl who goes to a veterinary school. And uh, she's a vegetarian. And she goes to this veterinary school 
and uh, there's a lot of hazing and stuff to the freshmen. So she she gets there and they start fucking with her. They throw her bed out of the window. I found and, that so frustrating. Just like imagining myself being in right. that position. Right. So uh, they they haze the freshmen at this veterinary school. And uh, there might be something lost in translation because you were saying you didn't buy that that would actually exist. Right, exactly. Like, and I was no, like, well, you dog is in France. You know, Maybe they do that. I, I understand, know. you know, there's partying in college, but that it was a veterinary yeah. school, I thought that was just kind of weird, you know? And it's but like it, heavy partying. It's like heavy hazing. But it almost, for me, it almost kind of added to uh, just kind of an other, like, I don't know, the film's so unique in those ways. And so it starts out like that. But basically, the inciting incident of this film, and I think it's okay to say, uh, somebody makes her eat uh, a body part of an animal, a meat, basically. And I, I think it's like kidneys or something. Something like It's part of the hazing. And she says, you know, I'm a vegetarian. She actually says, uh, it's funny, she says, I'm a veggie, which I've never heard before. And uh, so I can't eat it, no thank you. And so they make her eat it, and she gets a taste for meat. For meat. And uh, not just meat, but... Uh, human meat. Meat, meat, and, and man's got to eat. Exactly. So, uh, raw. It just, I don't know, man. Okay, let me tell you. Here's here's how I knew I loved the film. Okay, here's how I knew. Me. So, I had to work uh, the next day, and I was starting the film pretty late. Uh, I don't want to say what time. I don't know. It was probably like nine. So, not that late, but late. I'm like, oh, I can't probably watch the whole film because I got to, you know, get ready for bed and go to bed so I can go to work. So, I sit and I had this epiphany. I go, oh, I'll just watch like half of Raw. And when it's when I'm when I get to the halfway, I'll just turn it off and watch it tomorrow, and I'll have watched Raw. You know, I'm like that's a good way to get it done. So I'm kind of making it a task. Get almost. it done. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'll just get wa- Raw watched, right? Right. Oh no, duh. I sat, sat and watched an hour and forty minutes and never paused it, never thought of a thing, and it ended, and I was just like, I watched that whole fucking thing, and it, dude, it's fantastic. Um, I love their nihilistic approach to filmmaking, and I hope. I hope it sound. I hope I'm not saying I love the French and this whole thing, but I love them. I love Raw. Uh, it blew my mind. Um, this is a film I only saw, you know, two weeks ago, and it's my number five of the year. So, right. Um, it's funny because this is the type of thing where you feel like you hear so much about it. Like I heard so much about Raw from Shockwaves and a couple other podcasts, and I thought, okay, I kind of know what it is, or would it live up to the hype? Right, exactly. And and so I almost didn't watch it because of that. You know, it's almost like I kind of feel like I've already seen Raw because of how much of people have talked about it. And no, man, it just blew my mind. Uh, it has so many insane visuals, and it's not just the gore. Like um, there's like these party scenes that I really like. There's it's just it's fucked up, but it's not just the gore that's fucked up. The way um, this first time filmmaker, she's a first time female director, uh, shot this movie is is uh, it's awesome. It's so stylish and so. Um, I don't know, man. Awesome. So I love raw. So that's my number five. I dug it as well. What is Eric Hoff's number four? This is my number four. And this is a film people fucking hated. Uh Oh, here we go. And it was basically, and I understand the hate. Okay. People, you know, characters doing dumb things. Um, but it's what E-Dog just wants in a film. E-Dog just wants gory monster films. And I'm talking about alien Covenant. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Is my number uh, four. Uh, Alien Covenant is a sequel to 2012's Prometheus, yes. which excites me a lot. Um, I'm, I really liked Prometheus, and so I was glad to see uh, an extension of that film. Um, but they definitely wanted it to be more alien than Prometheus. Yep. Um, I just love Michael Fassbender. 
Me too. So much. And what's awesome is not only do we get Michael Fassbender in this film, we get two, two Michael Fassbenders. Michael yeah. Fassbender's right. He plays two different androids uh, in the film. Um, I guess it follows your alien uh, blueprint of, you know, there's a distress call. Crew goes out to uh, investigate and they get infected with an alien life form and then just gory funness uh, ensues. Yeah. Um, and then there's big action set pieces, um, some that involve the alien, some that do not involve the alien. Um, I just thought it was fucking cool. Yeah. I just thought it was a fun ass film. I uh, I agree with you. I love Alien Covenant. Um, I don't know why. You know, I thought of, when I was making this list, Okay. I thought about it and I was like, do I include Alien? And I was like, you know what? When I think back to Alien Covenant, I think of a lot of the more Prometheus type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, even though it does have this one section uh, before uh, they meet the second Michael Fassbender, uh, that is one of the best horror scenes of the year. Oh, I mean, one oh, of the best this, I've ever seen. Yeah, so there's this terrific moment uh, in the film where they land on the planet. And that's that, fucking Ridley Scott, dude. That whole, like, when everything just blows the fuck up. Right. Uh, figuratively. Uh, that's fucking Ridley Scott. Um, they land on the planet that they're going to investigate. Uh, several of the crew members become in infected. And then bad shit just goes from zero to 100. Yeah. It just, like, accelerates. And it's just this tremendous moment of tense uh, and goriness. Uh, you know, the way the aliens now form out of uh, humans. It's awesome. It's, I it's totally really agree. good. It's um, so good. And it's exactly what I want. It's a gory monster movie. The point I was just making was that I feel like that's the most horrific horror part of the movie. And from there, it just turns into more of action, uh, almost action adventure, which I love. I love uh, Alien Covenant. Uh -huh. But I didn't include it on my horror stuff because even though we talked about it on the podcast like it was a horror movie, it, it probably could be a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I just didn't include it. But I also like it a lot. Yep. It is. Uh, and again, I understand the hate for it. Me too, yeah. But I don't know. E -dog, if, if you're e -dog not. E-Dog lets things slide. <laughs> me too. You know, if you're I'm not all down for, second for chances. what Ridley Scott is doing, so you're not going to like So 1.5 is all you're ever given. Okay. What is your number four, sir? My number four is a film that I feel bad about having at number four. But the longer and longer I looked at this list, uh, I felt like it was in the right place. Um, and I'll just say what it is. My number four is Get Out. That's too low. I know. I know. So but please explain. Uh, the three films ahead of it, I like more. I you know, am very interested in hearing I, your, your top three. So I absolutely love. I'm confident I know what one of them is, and I don't know what the other two are. Please continue. Okay. I absolutely love Get Out. Uh, it's a film that sort of, uh, it just sort of sneaks up on you. I mean, it's a film that I didn't, realize was going to be what it is so um, good it's social commentary it's it's just a great thriller it's hitchcockian at times it gets fucking weird i love that this is a film that like became awards contender and for yeah, that's for fucking awesome for all the right reasons but also has like really fucked up horror stuff towards the end about like transplanting brains or whatever the oh, fuck. I love like, it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm, I'm saying for all those reasons, I absolutely love get out. Um, and so I, I hate that I have to defend that. It's my number four. Uh, but again, this is a favorites list. So if I had to pick what was the best horror movie or especially the most important horror movie of the year, it's get out the most important horror film released this year is get out. So that's that. But for me, my favorites list, I just like these other films more. 
Like, I mean, it's as simple as that for me, you know, I couldn't wait to buy my number one, my number two, my number three that doesn't have a release yet. Um, and you know, I don't know what three is going to be. I picked up get out, uh, on black Friday. So, you know, I just have to be true to myself. I love the film. I love what it says. It's the best horror movie that could have been made for this year ever. Um, for all the reasons everyone knows. So love get out, but it's my number four. What is Eric Hoff's number? Three. Three. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it's that high. Uh, my number three is Victor Crowley. Oh, wow. Um, I almost feel like Victor Crowley is not like a good technical film. Mm, probably not. But it's You know, it's just, funny. I was thinking about that today. It's not like a good technical film, but like it's just a fun film. And that's just a universe character I care so much about that it was just absolutely thrilling to me yeah. to get to revisit it. And... What's definitely boosting it so high is that we got to watch it together with Adam Green. With Adam Green, that we met him. He was this nice ass fucking dude. Um, gosh, Victor Crowley. I mean, when I think about it, like it is like a blast. It is yeah. like a fun, you know, gory romp. Um, but <laughs> some of these other movies are made better. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I could definitely let all that slide. Well, again, again, what you're kind of illustrating was what I was trying to explain with Get, when we get out being four is it's your favorites list. Right. You exactly. Know? Cause you're right. Victor Crowley is not, you know, it's not as well made as something like Leatherface. Like right. I honestly thought Leatherface is, it's a much, it's, it's but the other thing is Leatherface is probably a lot more expensive than Victor Crowley. Victor Crowley, I think is very, very, it was made very low budget. Cheap, right. Exactly. Um, but, but again, it's our favorites list. So who gives a fuck? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, sure. I can see the seams in it, sure. but that doesn't prevent me from just enjoying it. Um, so much and I can't wait for everybody to discover it uh, within the next month who didn't get to have the opportunity to watch it when he went on tour with it yeah and that was I mean that's being able to go uh, to El Paso the Alamo Draft House and meet him and watch the movie and stuff like that was just an experience I feel like we would never get unless we were accidentally out of town and that event was going on in like New York or something right the fact that Eric and I in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico were able to do that. I mean, I know people out there listening, that might be something they always get the chance to do. Right. We don't. So it right. was it was more exciting than anything for us. So I am totally with you. So Victor Crowley is my number three. So what is your three? My number three, and I'm very confident about these three. I do feel bad about Get Out, so please don't give me shit. Okay. But my number three is a film that completely rocked my world. Okay. It's a film I want everyone to see. And it's a film you didn't include because you didn't think it was horror enough. And it is super dark times. Um, now I love it. I think it's no, a great movie. Totally. Totally. Just in my opinion, not horror. Right. Uh, this is a film that, uh, we actually saw the day after Victor Crowley. And it's we so, did. it's so funny. We, we went to see Victor Crowley drove all that way. And then we saw super dark times just cause it was there. Right. And it's my number three, uh, of my top 10. And uh, I absolutely love this film. I'm dying to rewatch it, but I'm giving it some time. Uh, I am going to rewatch it soon. Uh, but this film, you know, if 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 I need to explain it, it's it's basically, you know, a '90s version of again a sort of a Stand by Me type story. It's like Stand by Me where they cause the dead body. Yes, which is awesome. It's a great great explanation. Um, these these kids uh, ride their bikes. It's in the '90s. They play Mortal Kombat. They go to high school. And, uh, one of the kid's brothers, uh, this is fast forwarding through the plot, but one of the, one of the kid's brothers has this katana in his room 
and they decide to take the katana out uh, on their bikes to the middle of nowhere and play with it. Well, they play with the katana, and something horrific takes place with the katana. And from there, the film turns into uh, this insane sort of, like, I've never seen guilt so perfectly um, envisioned in a film. You know, this film had me, I was more scared in this movie than I was in actually scary films because, uh, you know, I could feel what it would be like to be one of those characters and feel guilty about what happened. And you can't tell anybody. So you can't talk to, you know, the person you're closest to, the the main character is closest to his mom, and he can't talk to his mom about it because he can't tell her what happened. Well, it frustrated me, and, and not like in a, like an angry sense, uh, but once this horrific thing happens, his crush finally starts showing interest in him. Yeah, oh, for so sure. So he can't engage, though, with his crush because he's got this terrible thing that he now has yeah. to deal with. So she's, you know, she's... she. In fact, I think when he gets home from this horrific thing, she's, she's there. She's at his there, house. like, oh, she came over to say hi, and he's just like, uh, 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 like, I don't even know what to say because right. I'm so fucked from this thing. Um, and that's the other thing about the film is it's not just this horrific elements and stuff, but it also uh, is so it's such a great coming of age story, and um, I don't say that lightly. You know, I felt like this film spoke to me more than uh, most films do. Like, I felt like it just, this film I felt like was made for me. And it's so weird because I had no idea. I had no idea we were going to see Super Dark Times. Like, it wasn't like I was anticipating this. But right. as the as the the months have gone since I've seen it, I've, I've thought about it more and more and more. It's a film I've thought, some of the most I've thought about film this year was Super Dark Times. Um, so I absolutely love this movie. And guess what? It's available on Netflix right now right. for free. Please fucking go watch it. Um, you might not like it as much as I did, but this film just spoke to me on all the right levels. It's a coming of age, stand by me type story. And the reason I included it, I'm not going to say. Never mind. Uh, the phrase I want to say, I think, would spoil the film. So never mind. Uh, I think it's horror enough because of things that happen towards the end of the film. And uh, I absolutely love it. So uh, maybe it speaks to me so much because, you know, we grew up in the 90s. Um, you're a little bit older than me. So I grew up at, towards the late 90s in the early 2000s. Uh, but still, you know, seeing, you know, Super Nintendos and, and just the way it's shot, it feels like the 90s. And that's what that's what I remember, basically. Um, what I really liked about it, in addition to everything you just said, uh, is the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, amongst It's so uh, naturalistic. The uh, there's a moment where uh, several of the kids are hanging out at one of the kids' house. Uh, his parents uh, are not home. And they start talking about why they like hanging out at another kid's yeah. house. And the three reasons this one kid states why he likes hanging out at this other kid's house is because he always has snacks, he has a hot sister, and his mom has big boobs. Yeah. And I was like, yep, yeah, that's probably some dumb shit I would say. For sure. Back then. Um, and I, I, what am I talking about right you now? You say it right now. Yeah. Um, another scene that I just want to detail just to explain why it spoke to me so much was, uh, and I hope this doesn't sound sappy or, or loser-ish, but, you know, there's a scene where the main character, um, you know, he's kind of broken from the things that happened. He goes to hang out with this girl that he uh, likes from school. She invites him over and he gets there and they go in the garage and everybody's takes weed out and starts smoking weed and starts drinking and all this stuff. And he doesn't want to do it. 
Right. You know, he's like, oh, I, I kind of came here to hang out with you. I didn't really come out here to smoke weed. And uh, uh, so he ends up. E-Dog's been in that situation in real life. Me too. And so uh, he ends up just leaving because he doesn't know what else to do. And so for more than one reason, um, not just that scene, but the rest of it, just spoke to me on uh, a, a great level. So I absolutely love Super Dark Times. It's awesome. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's going to make my top 10 of the year, uh, not just horror. So uh, love that film. That Before we go on. Yes. Uh, I was in the same situation where uh, I went to El Paso to watch a movie, uh, then just had some free time. So it was like, well, do we watch another film? Uh, first film that I watched was The Disaster Artist. Loved it. The second film we decided to watch was My Friend Dahmer. And that was just some boring ass shit. Damn. Yep. I did want to see that. So uh, my number three was Super Dark Times. And Eric, we're at your number two? We're at my number two. And we're at the heaviest of hitters. Okay, let's hit it. And it's a film you've already said. And it is Get Out. Yes. Uh, before I... How come we don't have it higher, Dom? Because uh, <laughs> obviously one is... Yeah, go obvious. ahead. It's obvious what number one is. If you guys haven't guessed what number one is, then uh, hit the call button and Keegan will go over there and hit you over the head with a hammer because you are... Um, what a great fucking title for a horror film. Absolutely. Like, this film is so good. Like, even its title is fucking cool. Um, it's a cool Twilight zony premise yes you know uh african-american man is dating a white woman he's gonna go meet uh her family they're way too friendly and of course shit goes wrong something is amiss amiss right yeah, exactly. exactly um so it's this great commentary of uh racial racial issues currently in uh, america that eventually kind of just devolves into like these horror sequences yeah for sure yeah uh, it's just such a strong film in what it's saying and how it is a horror film a, a as well a baffling film from first time director uh jordan peele right exactly like that's it's baffling this is his first movie uh these characters are just super likable uh there's one character who's basically like the uh help me out with the term I'm looking for. He's like the audience he's like what the audience surrogate. wants to say, it's right? Audience exactly. surrogate, yeah. Right. And it's just fun tagging along with his character. It's fun getting to know like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Do yeah. these people have good intentions or not? It's just this fun, smart uh ride of a film. Definitely the smartest horror film of the year. Yeah. That is my number two, sir. So we're at your number two? Two. Okay. So my number two. Uh, is a film. This is going to be anticlimactic because uh, I feel like, you know, this is a film that I heard them talk about on Shockwaves. I'm like, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, he did a good job, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, eh, my second favorite horror movie of the year. Uh, every year to hear. Everybody, well, it's you're going to be disappointed. Everybody kind of talks about it like, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. Dude, I fucking love Annabelle Creation. Wow. I fucking love this wow. movie. It's my number two. This is a movie that, is high, sir. that um, so if you, if people know me, I get off on these things that I coin sequences of terror. And this is something that I, that I kind of thought about with insidious upon seeing it for the second time, uh, insidious four is you were talking about how to, uh, Lee Winnell was talking about how to build a scare and how to have a scare happen unexpectedly. And I, and I, while I think that's cool, I also kind of disagree with it in some senses, because if you look at James Wan's conjuring work or, um, even the first Insidious film uh, or this film, which imitates uh, 
the conjuring films basically david f sandberg imitated james wan with this which you guys know i like james wan um they kind of build towards scares that you know are coming but they're so fucking good and they're shot and directed and sequenced so perfectly that they are they're they're still scary in fact i would say they're they're scarier than just having a jump scare right so a lot of tension building uh, exactly so the tension that builds in um you know, there's this one scene in, in Annabelle creation where this girl, uh, it's the, it's the first big crazy scare. Uh, and you know, um, it, it culminates with her using the, the stair climber thing. That's a seat. Right. And, it's, it's uh, a lift. Yeah. Um, but just that whole sequence, you know, it's, I think you're right. Like for me, what I love about these films is the tension building where I feel like, um, some of the, like, you know, in, okay. in insidious, the last key, there's this scene where Elise has to open all of these, uh, suitcases and we know a scare is coming. We just don't know when, and it's not tension building to me. It's just waiting for a scare. Right. And while I appreciate those moments as well, uh, you know, she's just opening the fucking suitcases, opening a suitcase. Opening, oh, scare. And, and you don't know when it's coming, but I love the expertly crafted, basically just fucking with you for a full 10 minutes of tension. Right. Um, so I love that about Annabelle creation. That's my favorite parts of the film, but I also really liked the characters. I liked what they did. You know, the, the disabled girl. I mean, I'm kind of just speaking in broad strokes now, but I just, I, I love, love Annabelle creation. What there's a lot of in Annabelle creation and it's effective, at least towards me is uh, we'll have our central character in the front of the frame. Yeah. And then some shit that's just about to pop off in the back of the frame, but also in focus. And yeah. It's like letting you know, like, motherfucker, be paying attention to this as well because some shit is about to uh, pop off. Yeah, and I, I can't remember if Joe Bashara did the score for Annabelle Creation, but uh, the score is also so specifically tension building. Um, like, I don't know. I, I eat these goddamn things up. You know, um, and I don't think I would like this film near as much if it was the goddamn haunted doll film that people think Annabelle is. And I love with unabashed love, uh, the goddamn demon in this film. Dude, he's scary. He's scary as fuck. And, uh, I remember seeing this for the first time and I was fucking scared by this movie. And I love that demon, man. I love that demon. And it has just like, it's so playful in what they do. You know, like you can tell they're having fun creating shit like, oh, it's the demon and the doll, but like, he's going to possess a fucking scarecrow. Oh God. Scarecrow. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so inventive. So while this film doesn't say near as much politically as something like get out and, and didn't, no, this is just like a fun, no, this is just a fucking blast. Yeah. And the thing that I, I, always make sure to do is stay true to like what I really like. And I love, while I do love artsy films like super dark times, uh, or, or political satire or political, um, you know, conversations. Uh, I also love popcorn. You know, I fucking love popcorn and we'll talk about that with our number one. So, uh, I love this movie. It's a great popcorn, scary movie. Um, yeah, I thought about it and thought about, it. I'm like, wow, can Annabelle creation really be my number two? Like, is that possible? Yeah, dude. I fucking love that movie. Um, I agree. It's I, excellent. I love being scared and it scared me way more than, you know, you said Gerald's game scared you and I thought it was scary, but this movie scared me way more than Gerald's game. Um, you know, I already said this, but you know, I, I had to turn it off yeah. and finish it the next day. Um, and it's like one of those films where 
before I made the decision to turn it off, I was like looking over my shoulder like, uh, I yeah. know nothing's there, but He's, I'm just going to make sure of that. And David F. Sandberg is fucking sick, dude. Like um, last year I put Lights Out high on my list. I I love yeah. Lights Out. I think Lights Out is a... And now he's going to make some boring-ass DC film. Oh, Jesus. Um, that's cool for him, you know? Sure. But uh, I love these expertly crafted uh, sequences of terror. And, you know, he's basically doing Imitation Wan, but hey, Imitation Wan is still good shit. So my number two. Was Annabelle Creation. Okay, on the count of three, let's both say what our number one is. Are we going to make a joke or are we actually going to okay. say One, two, two three. three. Cure yeah. for wellness. Yes, I wanted to make a no. fucking joke. No, mine was a joke too. My number one's Cure for Wellness. Oh, fuck you. I'm kidding, Dom. I'm Obviously, our number one is it. it. Yes. Uh, you go first, Dom. Don't make me do that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, everybody's seen this movie. Yeah, for Everybody sure. loves this movie, and rightfully so. Yeah, this it's is... It's just a cool-ass... You know, it's it's what we love about Super Dark Times. It's what you loved about Among the Living. For sure, yeah. It's young kids being put in this crazy-ass situation, but before that, we get to see these kids being kids. Yeah. And I think we all want that. Like, even right now, I wish that you and I both had a bike. Yeah. That we could just go fucking fuck around on, and who knows where we'd end up in small-ass Carlsbad. And then... See some shit we're not supposed to. And then, uh, while that's awesome, it's cool that then it turns into the paranormal. Then it turns into something creepy. It turns into the strange... it, encapsul- it encapsulates everything that I, that I love being childish and weird, scary stuff. Yeah. My favorite thing that I, that I, I, I get so excited when I, when I realize a film and a filmmaker, a director has confidence. So when they, when the, when the, when the film says, look, I don't give a shit. This is a big Hollywood movie. I don't give a shit that a lot of people are going to see this. This is the goddamn movie. And, uh, this is how I'm going to make it. Like it's, I know it's kind of hard to explain, but like when they, when a film has balls to just be the film and not, you know, worry about like, are people going to be okay with, uh, children in peril, for instance, or are people going to be okay with, you know, uh, disgusting parent subplots, you know, this is just the goddamn movie. And, and, and here it is. I love when you can feel a director's confidence. And I feel like, uh, Andy Muschietti, uh, just knocked it out of the park. Like he's just fucking did a great job with this film and not giving a shit about, uh, like social norms. Uh, when it was like announced he was doing it, I was like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. But then it ended up just being the most bangish, the banger of banger films. And I, and I hate to, I hope I hate to ape, um, what, um, Shockwolves. Oh my God. Shockwolves. Shockwolves. Which is uh, a new podcast coming in 2018. Is that your new podcast? Is that why you're. Shockwolves. Uh, no. So, uh, Shockwaves. <coughs> sorry. Shockwaves kind of talked about this. And, uh, you know, it was just a, the return of event horror. You know, it was so exciting for everyone in the fucking world to go see this movie. It was sold out here yeah. for like the weekend. Yeah. And it's just so, so awesome. And it was funny because, you know, I remember talking to some, uh, I hate to do this, but normies and, uh, they didn't like it. And I was just like, you didn't fucking like it. But it also kind of showed me like, yeah, like, like Andy Machete had balls, like, and just made a fucking awesome movie. And, uh, yeah, just brimming with, with, uh, so much cool shit. And I love that. Like he, he dipped into Pennywise's like shape shifting aspects. 
Uh, even though I want Pennywise so bad, uh, I also just love that like he, it was so creative, you know, they used all the kids fears are what they Pennywise appears to them as. And, um, yeah, it's just so, so goddamn good. Oh, and the beginning of the film, the opening of the film, which I think we can talk about now is Georgie, uh, as we know from the original TV series, mini series and the book, uh, you know, gets captured by Pennywise, uh, killed. But, uh, in this film, Andy Muschietti, this one I'm talking about confidence boys. Andy Muschietti decides to have Pennywise bite off his fucking arm. Like how old is Georgie? Five, six. Right. And the beginning of the goddamn film right. is a six year old with getting his arm bitten off and dragged into a sewer. Like I just, I'm so happy that it was made in this way. And you know, of course I'm not saying like those things are, you know, that's all I went for. It's just confidence. Like this is the fucking movie and this is the story we're telling. Uh, I was talking to my, without worrying that people will, you know, think that's not okay. I was talking to my uh, best friend, Andrew, uh, about uh, this film. Uh, uh, You know, he's not big on horror films and he was like telling me how like that scene fucked him up. And you know, Andrew is a reasonable, smart adult and it was just awesome to hear from his perspective that like he thought that that was an insane scene. Yeah. And this this film, I was rewatching it uh, yesterday and today, uh, has like a really weird sort of score like uh it has like it's almost kind of electronic almost kind of um synthy like it it has all these like moments and stuff uh but it works it, he he uses it so well like i remember uh right after georgie's arm gets bitten off and he gets dragged into the fucking sewer like it just go it hits a black and then it's like it's like like a like a like a siren almost like a sting yeah and then it just comes out of the sewer and it says it and it's just like boy like thank you for making the film like this because you know anyone else or or any other studio or you know oh we'll make it pg-13 we'll dumb it down we'll do it. no like take this shit fucking seriously like this is an adult book yes it's about kids but it's an adult story and so anyways uh, i love how is- mature it is and what's crazy is at one point it may have been even wilder. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so awesome. I mean, it's awesome what we got, but that's also kind of crazy to think that somebody had another vision where they were like, nope, you're not doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that this is like a mature film. It's an extremely adult film, but it also has like really cool, playful moments. Like you're saying, like with the kids just like having fun, like when they're jumping right. off the quarry or like, you know, hanging the rock out. fight, hey, the rock fight. Exactly. And I love, I love that the kids are just cussing left and right. Like this right. is how kids talk. Like, sorry. Like, I know that's not cool, but uh, that's how children speak. Um, this is correct. So I think that's that. We wow, love so it. That is our favorite films. Let's rattle off like our 2017. list. 2017. Okay. You go first or me go first. All right. I'll go first. My number 10 is Among the Living. My number nine is It Comes at Night. My number eight is Leatherface. My number seven is Victor Crowley. My number six is Gerald's Game. My number five is Raw. My number four is Get Out. My number three is Super Dark Times. My number two is Annabelle Creation. And my number one was, of course, shockingly, of course, It. Uh, my number 10 was The Girl with All the Gifts. Number nine, Better Watch Out. Eight, Happy Death Day. Seven, Annabelle Creation. Six, Leatherface. 
five, Gerald's Game, four, Alien Covenant, three, Victor Crowley, two, Get Out, and one, Rings. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, so what an what a what an incredible fucking year. For doll. sure. Like looking at that ten, um, and even my honorable mentions, like the it's 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 been a, a great great year for horror. And crazy that a lot of these are studio stuff like uh right. Get Out, Annabelle Creation, it let's see. What are your thoughts on um Truth or Dare? I don't know about that. <laughs> I guess Ryan Turek uh, from Shockwaves and Shock to You Drop. Uh, I guess he pro- he actually did produce this film. And Happy Death Day. Uh, well, yes, definitely Happy Death Day. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you know what's funny? There's a... It, we'll, we'll be there for it. Random thought. There's a Mondo print in Happy Death Day that I'm sitting right next to. This Back to the Future print that you guys cannot see uh, that is hanging in my apartment is in Happy Death Day. Damn, so let's go ahead and call what our favorite film of 2018 is going to be. Halloween. Halloween. Obviously, the simple, obvious choice. Let me just say this. Uh-oh. It better fucking be right, our right. favorite horror movie of the year. Because, you know, I think about Halloween more and more. Let's talk about stuff coming out this year. I can't remember a lot. But, like, Halloween's a great example. Um, boy, what a film that is going to be impossible to live up. Like, and you're not just making a Halloween film. You also got like Jamie Lee Curtis back. So far, they're hitting all the right notes yeah. of the little tidbits that have surfaced. But all, but like the idea that they're doing that, it's even more hype. Like, I don't know, man. I can't fucking wait, but I'm also, I'm like kind of terrified it better be good. You know how it's like the dude who played Michael in yeah. the OG, like the shape. That's fucking crazy that they're doing that. And what is... They still don't know if Carpenter's going to score or not, or is that a done It's deal? not officially announced, but I think he's going to. I mean, they're um, hitting all the right notes so far. Yeah, that's certainly most, my most anticipated uh, uh, horror film of the year. Um, I think N- The Nun is out this year. Oh, the cool. Corin Hardy Nun that, it, into that. Uh, has Tysa Farmiga. Into uh, that. So that's exciting. Yeah, other stuff that's coming out this year. Uh, we already talked about The Nun. Um, Slender Man, which that trailer came out. Still haven't watched it. You know... It's the type of film like the it's almost like the Rings trailer, like probably not gonna be good, but could be cool. I mean, a Slenderman movie would be really cool if it was good, right? Um, you know, some of the elements of the Slenderman trailer look almost a little bit like uh, some of the creepy shit that's in Channel Zero. Uh, the first season of Channel Zero has a lot of creepy shit that, and they're both creepy pasta, so it's not a surprise. Right. But uh, I wouldn't surprise me if that movie sucks. Uh, Meg. Is a movie coming out with Jason Statham? Yeah, that's probably uh, not gonna be horror. Probably not gonna be horror. Uh, this is an interesting film, Winchester. That's very soon, and it's about like after a sudden death of her family, firearms heiress uh, Sarah Winchester becomes convinced that she's haunted by the souls of those killed by guns. But looks cool. It has Helen Mirren and fucking uh, Jason Clark. That's soon. Another movie coming out in 2018 is The Strangers Two. Oh, and I just want to quickly April? mention it. Uh, I can't remember. Is it April? It is March 9th. March, even sooner. I really hope it's that good. We well, number one, and number two. I hope we get it. You know, I hope it's a film that's easy to see. Um, it's the type of thing that's taken so long, and it was originally going to star Liv Tyler. Was going to be set in a uh, from the first film, and was going to be set in a trailer park, and was going to uh, connect to the first film. I don't think she's in this anymore. I don't think that's, it might still be a trailer park, but 
the film has had so many different iterations. Like Brian Bertino was going to maybe direct it. Now it's fucking like 10 years later. I really hope that that that's good. I mean, Hey, I would take a semi good strangers too. Right. So, uh, I, I fucking love that movie. So I think that's it. We will stop rambling on here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please continue listening. Yes. Uh, but I'll definitely be excited to check out the Ghoul Squad minus E-Dog. Uh, I hope you guys will be uh, as well. Uh, and Eric will be back. He can joke about it. Notice how he keeps saying that. But when I say I won't be back, he doesn't make any comments. No, because you'll be back. Uh, we already talked about it. You will be back soon. The confidence on this young man. Yes. Am I a young man? That's nice of you to say. Uh, there's this older dude that I work with, and he calls me young man, and I always think that's nice of him to say. Well, I think I think you're a nice man. Oh, well, thank you. So, uh, yes, we'll be back. So, the next episode, as I said, will be my brother, Ben Preslak. Uh, Eric won't be here. Uh, we're going to do our top five horror from a non-horror fan's perspective, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. What um, are you going to do? Like, well, I'm going to comment. Are you, are you just going to fuel his fire? Yeah, I think it'll mostly be like an interview-type podcast and then his top five. Okay. So I'm going to ask him like, you know, what's it like to not love horror? Because <laughs> what's it like living under a rock? Exactly. Well, or what's it like on the other side, if you will? Right. Because, you know, I'm sure as you guys out there know, as a horror fan, uh, we're kind of in this bubble, right? And we, we care about shit like raw or fucking random shit, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how somebody that's not plugged in like that uh, feels about it. And, you know. Check out Prezlek Brothers Filmcast. Uh, it is a defunct podcast as of now. Um, check out our uh, Deadpool episode if you do listen to that. That was a cool episode. So I think that's it. Uh, Eric, any parting words here before we sign off? Uh, stay scared. Stay titties. Stay gore. Uh, I hope to talk to you guys soon. But before that, give us our Instagram. Uh, you can find us on social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ghoul Squad FM. Uh, find Kigi and I uh, at Twitter at Keeksta and at Eric Cruz138. Uh, and uh, let's talk horror films. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, this was one that I was very excited to do. And uh, yeah. Yeah. We always too. drag at the end of these fucking podcasts. Fuck it, dog. Bye. Good night. I got to pee real bad. Well, more importantly, ghouls you back off. See you later, everybody. I will be back next month with my brother and goodbye.